Sure. It's a I'll cold. Do. It's a cold journey to school this morning. Oh God, you wouldn't belong getting frost, but this play has everything. Oh, I love legitimate theater. Episode 268, and it's me, Gary P, and it's the prop. It's Carl Riley. We're back on Zoom, prop. Yeah, back on Zoom. Sorry for the delay, Garrett. I was just busy studying for the quiz here. Uh, looking up my books. Actually, that's 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 a pure lie. You you cannot prepare for Jules and Martin's crazy questions. Now, have you got you've got my quiz book? Did I give you that one? I do have it somewhere, yeah. You gave it to me so late in the season that we I didn't actually I used it. One or two questions for the players, but you gave it to me too late. That was the source of many an argument in the car for school runs, for football runs, for everything. We just leave it in the front seat. Quizmaster was in the passenger, and mayhem broke out in the car. <laughs> just like you and uh, yeah. and Maya listen to Harry every week. That was yeah, like yeah, our favorite part of the day. The source of a lot of bonding, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and a lot of people saw Harry in person for the first time in uh, the Civic Theatre, which we'll Absolutely talk about in a little while. Park. Yeah. yeah, so this week we have a very special guest in studio. In a little while we'll be joined by the Rovers, assistant manager since 2015. It's Glenn Cronin, Croningcast, Prof. Yeah, hashtag Croningcast. Only his second ever podcast, as he tells us. He did an Exeter one last year, but... His first Irish podcast, like he, he's a low profile assistant manager. And um even this one, like you need, need a bit of a twist of the arm, but he 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 did it first. He like he he enjoys the old podcast. So uh really good interview, which which we'll we'll talk about a bit later on. Um it's gonna be up there with the Brads and the Greener cast because these intimate layer interviews where we break everything down and they give it to us raw, it was a uh, it's excellent. It's going to be a big shout out to Glenn for, for accommodating us. He was class. Yeah, so just to explain this week's show, 
for our listeners. Uh, so it's it's more or less a standalone Glenn Cronin interview episode. Um, so we're going to come back next week with like a load of news, like a month's worth of news and opinion. Uh, but for this week, we basically we've got Glenn. We're going to have a bit of Cape Verde reaction. And we're going to have some thoughts on the Civic Theatre because this is actually our first episode since we did that show. So that's that's what this week is about. Uh, Dermot Keady um, won't interview for a few more weeks. We'll let you know when that's coming out. Um, got a lot, of, a lot of questions sent in for that one. Uh, I tried to ask as many as I could. It went about, I didn't actually check the time on it. I think it was about maybe an hour 40, so it was a long old one. Hashtag content, prof. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that is your little bit of a schedule for the next week or so. But our live show, prof, um, reflection on this very, very proud moment in the uh, Tifty's history. Yeah, my initial toss on the live show. I was. Will we absolutely... break it down for them? Will we give them a rundown of how the show, how, how the day went? A real quick one. Yeah, yeah, go on. Right, so. We arrived. Uh, the show was due at eight pm. We arrived in the lead up to it. It was mayhem. We were just making sure everything was right. We did no dress rehearsals. We just talked between myself and the prof, and we said, "Right, we'll get it done on the day." So arrived at four o'clock. Set up the stage, sound checks. Went into the green room, stocked the fridge with some refreshments. Let's say, um into the dressing room, yeah, made sure yeah. everything was okay, and then our guests and our cast and crew started to arrive. They started filtering and in, we... not all at the same time. So sometimes we'd have a little a little run-through with a couple of people, and then someone else would arrive, and we'd run through things with them. So it wasn't, it wasn't until like an hour before we actually got everyone together. Yeah, yeah, so role-specific uh, instructions. We just talked to everybody individually. And then it was about seven o'clock and we're all in the green room and the crack is 90. Uh, everybody slagging each other. I think John, Cody and Greener were going. It was three all at one stage where they were just zinging each other. <laughs> um, everybody having fun. People had people flown in from, from abroad just to like Nate had his two best pals coming from Australia, not specifically for the show, but um, he had his two best mates with him and he was showing them what we're all about. And at seven o'clock, we just said, right, let's go. Let's run through it. So everybody was there. Quick dress rehearsal beforehand. And um, eight o'clock, the show started. Yeah, it was the song. Can I just say, I was was side stage, right? And I was just looking at you on stage with the the wig. (laughs) Peter Collins outfit. And I just thought to myself, we made it. (laughs) That's one of my regrets. I couldn't actually... I was too focused. I wish I could listen, could hear you and the lads at the side how you react to that. It was brilliant because your movements were the funniest thing about it. The way you'd move to the <laughs> to Harry and Hannah. Yeah, I wanted to add some sort of uh, physical comedy to it. Yeah, just I made them as boring as possible. And so, so that... Prof came up with a sketch, a sketch for Harry and Hannah. We were a wall. We didn't turn up, so we had a little comedy sketch at the start of it. And then we'd Hooperman, and he was doing his thing. Winston as well was involved. The whole Tifties universe were involved. And then um, curtains were pulled. We had Hannah and Harry, big shout out to them. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, superb from from them. And thanks, big thanks, and big shout out to them. And then we entered the stage, prof. Yeah, I, I echo that, Gary. Harry and Hannah were brilliant. Absolutely nailed 
their parts. Um, do you know when Hannah, because the bit was that, so they've replaced us, and then Harry says, now I can debut my new segment, Are You Smarter Than the 12-Year-Old? So he asked Hannah to pick someone from the audience. And so we got, we, what was the crowd? Like, it was nearly nearly 200. Like, we were delighted with the crowd. And a few people said to me afterwards, we went to Malloy's for points afterwards. And a good few people said, uh, I was terrified Hannah was going to pick me out of the crowd. <laughs> but no. How was... did you feel when, because those lights, those lights are blinding, aren't they? They actually are, because when, I thought I'd be able to have eye contact with someone in the in the crowd. It, you couldn't really see faces. The lights were very, very bright. No, and it's a wall of people. Like there's a there's two hundred people there. So you we're we're just thinking to ourselves, well, this, this is it now. There's no going back. Someone advised me not to have someone you care about front row so that you can make eye contact because that could throw you off. But in the dark, I, can, I can't even see people really. Couldn't um, see a thing. But the light in the crew, everything, everyone was brilliant. Um, it was fantastic. And then we John Cody, come on, brilliant. Uh, guest his his tra- his, st- his train story in Scandinavia is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. So I, I remember some of his best stories. So we uh, we teed him up nicely with those. Um, amazingly, I don't know about you, Gary. Well, you maybe you, but I I actually was never nervous for this at all. The only time there was a surreal moment where I think. The doors were supposed to be half seven, maybe. And we, we, it was delayed till maybe 10 to. Because we were just sort of finishing everything up. And the curtains were closed. And the doors were open. And I heard people pour in. And they're only like a few feet from me. But they can't see me with the curtains. There was just a little moment there. It was like, whoa. This is mad. And I wasn't, I wasn't saying like I started getting very nervous. But it was just a real, this is mad. And I was still putting on I think, the, uh, I think the nerves. Your nerves get up when I was yeah, yeah. I know because the the curtain is there. All you have to do is stick your head down the corner. Like, but yeah. the, I think the nerves aren't there because we're, I think we're confident in our own skin at this stage. We know what we're we know what we're doing, and there are there are friends and family as well. There are peers. We know them. It's not we're not stand up. We're not doing a play. We know the crowd. I think that's another thing that I was thinking as well. I was thinking, okay, yeah. we know these people. They are friends. They are family. They're here to support you. Well, I think at one stage we we're having a glass of wine backstage, and I just looked at me watch and like I think Karina turned around and goes, "Are we gonna go on stage or what?" <laughs> it was ten to eight. It was ten to eight, and we were like, "Oh fuck, we actually have to go on stage." So um, we sat down, and then uh, yeah, first half was brilliant, and then the interval, everybody went down and had a beer, and then the, one of my favorite moments was Karina coming in. I have to say, uh, big shout out to Philly McGuire, our creative director. Um, he came up with all the visuals, all the videos, and the green are coming out with the trophy is just such a moment. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was a bit of a late show, wasn't it? Bringing the trophy in. Yeah, I think uh, why not? We had it there anyway. I think Bill Gleason was using it to prop stuff up and put his dirty laundry on. So, so we might as well get some use of it. And at the end of the night, the trophy was just was just sitting there, and I was just like, "All right, I guess I'm responsible for this now." So I carried it on my. <laughs> On my shoulder, to my eyes, the bouncer just gave me a weird look. And he was like, "Yeah, all right, <laughs> come in with that." Then, and a great um, night, my After as well, big shout out for the hospitality; they were brilliant. Um, no issues at all. Everybody having a, a good time and just a good night out, a good hoops night out. Yeah, my was good. Yeah, just I'm still still buzzing at that stage. 
was I was on a high for two days afterwards. To be honest, it was it was it was something else. Like it was a fantastic feeling, and so many people came up to us and told us like like well done. Like it was a really really good enjoyable show. Um, I, th- I think yeah, as Col- well another thing that was um that was really evident is that the the crowd that that turned up at Malloy's were were kind of like the hardcore, but the DJ kind of got the idea. He got the sus that we were all rovers. And it was just rover song after rover song <laughs> towards the end of the night. So the whole dance floor was rocking and it was just build me up. It was erasure. It was kind of a chameleon. It was just the, the DJ got it spot on. Well, we kept stressing that it was different to a podcast and even even Greener, like Greener's there with his whole family and he's there in Malloy's afterwards and he and he stays with us to the end. Like it wasn't like a a podcast, and you you ask someone on. Like it just it felt like more than that, you know. And same for John Cody. Like he he like he was really happy with how it went out. Was he had family in the crowd now? Like it wasn't a podcast episode. It was like it was so just it was more than that. Like a reunion or something, wasn't it? It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, but but how how often did I say it before the show that it's going to be theater? And then we had the thing at the start, and then we had the all oh, the balls room was bare song at the end, which <laughs> the, the full video actually went that. up on uh, Facebook. I think everybody's seen that. Like people came up to me in work who wouldn't who don't know Edinburgh Robbers and were like, "Oh yeah, saw the video." Yeah, like everyone saw that. Yeah, it just grew legs, didn't it? Yeah, like Cody was great. Like you say, first half greener. We know what greener is like. He, he's brilliant. He's just he's a class act. Uh, he's funny. And um, just yeah, like we were well prepared, but Greener, Cody, and Greener elevated because they were funny and just like genuine and robbers people. So couldn't be happier with how it went, really. Um, yep. the song at the end, like it was, it was choreographed. Like everyone had their little time to come in with their balls reference with the bus stop, uh, with the. Bob Marty painting, um, Dan Dan Lambert, Gar Redden actually came out too early as Dan Lambert, but in hindsight, I don't think I mind that because few people didn't copy, so maybe it's good that he was out there a bit early. Gar Redden, yeah. the finest curtain putter in the business, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh yeah, no, big were... shout out to our cast and crew and Aussie yeah. Day and Deco and Philly and um, Brian McKenna, Greenblood, everybody. Everybody, who who are we missing? We're missing anyone, Prof. Big shout yeah. out to everyone. Our, our spouses as well who had to sit in the front row and endure it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, we're, and, and officially we're booked in for next January as well, so they were delighted. So you will be seeing a yearly fifty show in the Civic Theatre, and Prof, we won't say too much. We might see a summer show. Well, I I haven't signed up to any summer show, Garbo. We're we're penciled in for. For the same time next year, I think we did it straight away, didn't we? We got onto them and we're like, "Yeah, let's do it again." Yeah, they were just really happy with the feedback, and they said, "Yeah, absolutely, perfect timing." So, yeah, excellent, brilliant stuff. Had... Thanks again to everybody. Yeah, no, big thanks to everybody who came out. There was sort of a rush of sales, that wasn't there? Kind of in the in the days leading up to it, but big thanks to Philly, like you say, Gar. Um, he he took it to another level. With with the sound and the lighting and the, the timing of all the the photos and videos, like that was brilliant. Um, Aussie Nate, 
<laughs> I said I wasn't stole nervous. the show the fuck out, didn't he? I stole the show. Uh, there is a video going around of just Nate on his own. Um, I said I wasn't nervous all day. Not true because we were backstage and Nate was kind of getting a sense that we were going to stitch him up. I, and I was just like, no, just, um, no, no, sorry, just go in. Can you just talk to Gary there for a sec? And he burst out the door. And he's like, you're going to stitch me up. You're going to stitch me up. And then I'm getting ready to to reveal that we're going to bring him out. And he's like, he has his back to the curtain. Like, he has his back to the crowd. Like, like if his arm was like an inch more to the left, you could see his arm. That's how close he is to the stage. But zero involvement. He's just cruel. And I'm looking at all Radham. And I'm looking at my page. And I'm like, I take a deep breath. I'm like, do you know Nate? And the second I say his name, I just hear, no. <laughs> he just I'm nearly goes, sure. And then when I announce no. him, come on, I think all I hear was, oh, you fucker. <laughs> oh, Gary, he was phenomenal. He was just, yeah. he just brought the house down. like Excellent stuff. I, I have remember some feedback the, as well, Prof. Do you want to go? Will we hit the feedback? Yeah, we will now. I just remember the light bulb going off when, hang on, we have Greener on stage. Ozzy Nay. What did Ozzy Nay say after Bergen? I was like, oh my God. This <laughs> this confrontation needs to happen. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, just a couple of quick highlights. The couch wasn't actually green, Gar. Um, but we put a flag over so that made up for that we actually had to assemble a couch it was a Frankenstein couch we had to get a load of different ones to put them all together yeah yeah I think next year we do I literally need a green couch uh, one stage John Cody says to me because we were getting all our props ready shout out to our props department that being Shannon and Jeff Bezos from Amazon who provided us with a lot of props um, <laughs> but one says John just goes he understands all the, the bus stop and the Bob Marley and all that. He just looks over at Gar and he's like, Carol, why the cane and the top hat? <laughs> and I just go, it's Broadway, baby. And Fred he just looks back at me and he shakes his head as if I have just, I I just could have knocked him out cold. He just, I can't believe I'm involved in this. <laughs> I found myself looking up Fred Astaire videos and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. just a couple of final notes, Gare. What happened to your wallet on the night? Uh, uh, we... <laughs> oh, God. Um, a good... A, 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 what's that? A good Samaritan ended up finding it for me. I don't, honestly, I don't even know how it ended up in Newton Garden Station, but it did. <laughs> and it had everything in it. So, big shout out to whoever it was, but I think it might have been the, the 4 a.m. trip to McDonald's. And a few cartwheels in the car park. Maybe that might have been it. But um, yeah, so big shout out to the Good Samaritan who left my wallet in the Luke and yeah. Garden Station. So. Yeah, very polite. Very polite. Um, we had Orla, Emma and Orla were there. And uh, I was talking to Orla afterwards. She was kind of saying, you know, Civic is a, it's a great venue. Like, you look at the variety of stuff it has on. And she, she actually went to a jujitsu show the next day. And they were probably still cleaning the bleeding glitter off the floor or the, <laughs> the, no, glitter, the, the confetti at that stage. And then another time, I don't know what date it is, but they have strippers in the Civic Theatre for 75 euro. So yeah. quite, the, quite the mix of events in the, the Civic Theatre. 
Magic Mike and Talent. Magic Mick. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a few people got Taxi Home, Ryan the Gru. Um, I can't remember who the Oh, Shane Mooney it was. They all got a Taxi Home, and Pascal, was a driver. Just like the perfect cap after the night, after like yeah. going to see Tifties in the theatre. And he actually mentioned the Roberts podcast. He said, like, oh yeah, I did a Roberts podcast a couple of years ago. Um, Maloney ringing Nate while he was on stage. Brilliant. That was gas. That was actually Paddy McGrath's idea. And then Paddy came up to you afterwards. He was like, was like oh, well done, Carl. Still have no idea why you put a goatee on top of your beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was it, Gar. First foray into thespianism. As they say, showbiz. Um, yeah, showbiz. I love how you kept calling some of the crew jobbers, as in, as if we needed somebody to <laughs> need somebody like to hand a pint of Guinness to Robbie Gaffney when he came down. You need we needed two people to bring out the balls cabinet. Oh, the balls room was bare, and you just kept saying, "Oh yeah." Then the jobbers bring out the cabinet, and the way they just in the background, you just <laughs> see them bringing it out. They remind me of Breaking Bad, Walter and Jesse. Trying to bring out the barrel, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the cops are watching the footage of that, and they're like, "It's a barrel, rolled it." This sort of remind me. Of. Um, the the interview with the Echo actually came out the Thursday beforehand. Um, I don't know if people uh saw that. I think we put it on our Instagram and everything. Yep. Well, yeah, that was it, Gary. We we got loads of feedback, but we just we we picked out one here. You want to read that? So um, we forgot to put the name on this one. So excellent show, lads. I really enjoyed it. The... Sorry, hold on. Thanks for helping. Bridge the long gap between seasons. Educational, funny, emotional class. Make it an annual thing and congratulations. So big shout out to whoever sent that one. Yeah, that was uh, just one we picked out. Uh, there was another one from Dangerous Dave. He's felt that uh, Robbie Gaffney's appearance was the highlight. He said, great show, lads. Next up, Broadway. Sorry. I meant Broadford Community Center. <laughs> yeah. So, That's um, That's what else have we got? We got 40th, 40th, uh, birthday. Philip Boland, club volunteer. You will see Philip helping out in every way possible when it comes to Shamrock Rover. So, big happy birthday to Philip. It's 40th. Yeah. Happy birthday, Philip. Also, Prof, happy birthday to my daughter, Abby. She is 17 today, and uh, I can see the grey hair creeping in on your face already. Yeah, that is... No, I'm, I'm delighted for Abby. Happy birthday to her, but that is one of the worst things I have ever heard, that your daughter has turned 17. I could not feel more old right now. I still remember telling you when she was fucking... When we, when we were having her. Nuts. Crazy. So she's um, she's going to Iceland for her birthday. She's going to see the volcano, which Roy McDowell will be delighted with. Oh, the volcano, yeah. She's not waiting for the yeah. Northern Lights now. That's that's later in the year, isn't it? So, Philip, like we said, is one of the many volunteers that help put together the members' packs, and you can collect them on a few different days. The George Bourne Memorial Quiz and Tours Day Night, so do not forget Mick Quinn will be at the door giving you your members' packs. So keep an eye out for him, okay? Yeah, and the quiz is sold out, Garrett. Absolutely, it's uh, we're looking forward to this one, Prof. An annual event, we're going to try and uh, reintroduce it. And any non members who would like to have a chat with any elected board directors, have a chat with us and 
any members there as well, you want to join up or you want to sign up as a member, we will tell you everything about benefits, about why you should. So come talk to us. It's about uh, swelling the members' numbers and going on, making Rovers a force. So uh, we have another one there, from Polly Nolan. It's brilliant. That was great. You it's get the, so you get a player or staff. Player. Yeah. You get a player or staff at the tables. That was great crack. You have staff. It's just, it's brilliant. So we've got some great prizes. We've got the worst name. Well, the best name, you could say. There has to be Rovers affiliated as well. So you got to name your player in a witty way after a Rovers player. Name your team. And then we have the worst team. And then we have the funniest answer to a question. So you possibly have to sacrifice a point to get a prize. That's controversial. Imagine you lost the whole quiz by a point just trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking forward to Thursday. Doors are six o'clock. If you want to come in and mingle beforehand, have a point. We will be hopefully getting it going by seven o'clock. Everybody in their places and ready to quiz by the quiz master himself, Martin Moore. He said that all he needs is a boiro and a scowl. <laughs> that sounds like some Martin would say, right? Yeah. We have some um, online love for our chefs. We have hashtag announce raise curry. Colin Nolan tweeted us. <laughs> well, that was a bit. Was a, uh, Bill Gleason said it should be bagpiped in. Bagpiped <laughs> in, yeah. Uh, uh, we have Afghan highlights, Prof. So, Mauritiana have a player called AK47. Uh, Bebe's 40-yard free kick. Um, and you're the crack in the stands. Yeah, understands because it looks like it's just a non-stop party. Well, especially if the scenes for the winning goal against Ghana, that is like for me. That's what football is all about. That I just love that the way they ran up into the stands and it was wild. Absolutely unbelievable scenes. Um, it's been a really interesting uh, football tournament. So I've been I've been watching it. What have we got? On? I think I, I'm going to flick it on. I think Burkina Faso are just playing there now as we talk, but um. It's been brilliant. And it's actually surreal to look at Pico. I watched the game yesterday. And he's not out of place in the slightest. He's bossing it. He's doing his whole organisational masterclass like he does at Rovers. He's What I loved is that the the commentators were, were talking about the dark arts and they were loving Pico. He was giving little nudges here and there off the ball, a few little digs. And they were like, that's, that's what I think the one of the commentators was a defender. And he was saying, that's what we do. That's what we do as defenders. Didn't one of the commentators in the first game call him Pigo Leaper Lopez? <laughs> no, I didn't know that one. <laughs> I know. It's going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> I know you nicknamed him the Salmon, but I've never heard him call Leaper Lopez before. And yeah. the graphic has him as Roberto Carlos Pigo. But um, I think his middle name is Carlos because his, dad his dad's name yeah. is Carlos. Yeah. Roberto but, yeah. Carlos Lopez. So, give us a summary of the game so far there, Gary. Yeah, so we have had Cape Verde beating Ghana 2-1 with a last-minute winner. This was epic stuff. Absolutely epic stuff. 3-0 win over Mozambique, so a handy one on that one. And then a 2-2 draw with Egypt with a late goal. Uh, Mendes has really impressed me. He's playing for, in the Turkish Super League. He's excellent. He's really taken a hold of it. Logan Costa, the centre-half, beside Pico Vozinha is just brilliant in the in goal as well. Thirty seven, the old vet. So it's been a really really interesting one. And like you said, a late goal against Egypt brought them through. 
And they Pico rested for that one. It just shows you how much they rate him. They loved the guy and they didn't want to rest and didn't want to risk him. And then we have a one 0 win over Mauriciana on Monday with a late Ryan Mendez penalty and scenes once again in the crowd and party time in Ivory Coast for the Cape Verde fans. So um a tough game coming up, either Morocco or who have we got, Prof? Morocco or Morocco else, or South Africa on Saturday night. Um, I think those two are playing tonight as we were recording here on Tuesday. So we don't know who they're going to play just yet. But um, yeah, like you said, Pico rested for the last game because they'd actually already topped the group at that stage, which was... I know, it's people, crazy. People beforehand were thinking, will they scrape a best third place? They topped the group with a game to spare. It was incredible. And he doesn't look out of place. He look, he's he looks so assured in every game. He's he's like usually the standout defender in the in each game. Um, it's brilliant, isn't it? The first result, Bill Gleason says that result would be no surprise to anyone who listens to the expert caller on the hotline. Remember, we had all our Afcon predictions in the Tiffy's yes. hotline. Um, yeah. So Pigo, like I was reading some of the chat and. Apparently, he's the only player in the squad who doesn't speak Portuguese. Although I know he is, he is learning Portuguese, and he's learning what's the like Creole? Is that the the local language? Yeah, thing? yeah, the local dialect. Um, but it's just funny because there'd be a water break. You know, like there'd be a water break about halfway through the first half, and you can just hear a crumbling accent in a water break in an <laughs> Afcon tournament on television, and you just have to just like, am I am I seeing this? This is just incredible. You can hear Creole, you can hear Portuguese, and then all you can hear is keep it tight, boys. <laughs> yeah. So great stuff for Pico. And it's different in my house. See, I have a real attachment to this one because Congo are in a, my wife's family are from Congo. So we were up celebrating the penalty shootout like crazy people. All the brothers and the uncles and the family were over. So that was a real, real occasion for us. The goalkeeper, Egypt, Egyptian goalkeeper, Mr. Penno, and then the uh, Congolese keeper. Buried it, so they have a t- very tough game with Guinea, who actually have the top goal scorer in Bundesliga. He actually broke Lewandowski's record for amount of goals scored consecutively at the start of the season. Giresi, so yeah. it's a tough, tough game. So uh, yeah, we we're we're avid Afcon watchers in this house, bro. I would love to be watching games with your father-in-law because that man is hilarious. He's so he's, funny. He's just. He's so un he's so naturally funny and he doesn't mean it. With <laughs> Bebo from the Fergie era probably. Remember this? Uh Bebe, that's actually Bebe. a typo. I'm not trying to relaunch uh Bebo Gar. Um yeah, it's a typo. <clears throat> yeah. Bebe from I think if Fergie signed them after watching a video, I think. Seven million, yeah. Like there's a story going around. Is that people people can tell us? Is that story true about how Fergie Fergie signed Baby for seven million? Um, because he, he never played a game, did he? Did he did he even play like a, oh, a competitive so. league match or even a competitive match? Um, I remember thinking the first game, this guy is a stocking of shite. He missed three one on ones. He missed three one on ones. End up win the game anyway, and then the second match, he scores a free kick from forty yards. It's just. Wow, but it's a brilliant achievement. They've got to the quarterfinals. No reason to think they can't go further. Now the it's a big ask now, South Africa or Morocco. Yeah, so we were the joke kind of after the first game was after um Cape Verde had that shock open game win over Ghana. 
that uh, Pigo had got Hewitt in the sack, which opened the door for the FEI to hire him as Ireland manager. So it was like Pigo doing the FEI fame. <laughs> or so we thought, because then Hewitt was ruled out. Um, so if you look at the odds now, I think there's a there's an FEI meeting tonight as we speak where they're discussing the, the next senior manager. But if you look at the odds, like it's still like Neil Lennon first and all that. But if you look down, we and we spoke about it a few weeks ago, all the the long shots. But when you look at the bookmakers' odds, I, I liken it to the member berries in South Park because it's just like <laughs> it's like oh yeah, Sam Allardyce. Remember, you remember Sam Maradise? Uh, Steve Bruce, remember in the <laughs> 90s? Steve Bruce, he was a manager, remember? It's just like <laughs> appealing to Irish football fans who watch the Premier League. That's what the bookmakers odds to me. It screams that. They just looked at all the unemployed managers. That's what it was. But listen, throw the bank. Throw every penny you have of Jose Mourinho. Get him in. Can't afford him, but... I would go. Over. I just think we should just have some crack for two years because the team's not good. That's, that's what I want. Just have a bit of crack with Mourinho and uh, make a few quid off him getting sent off. <laughs> I can't believe Mourinho is on the list for Liverpool. Like absolutely uh, no, he's no done, chance. He's done at top level. Yeah, now I'm thinking done the Premier League. Anyway. Maybe Middle East, maybe or. In fairness, I thought there, he was yeah. done. I thought he was done at the top level, but then he came back to Roma and won yet another trophy. So he's. He's proved me wrong before. Absolutely everywhere, yeah. He won, he won trophies absolutely everywhere bar scores. So, and he was sacked a week before the cup final, which was insane. Yeah. Okay, so up next we have our assistant manager. It is Glenn Cronin. Okay, so we're in the lair, Prof, and Glenn Cronin is with us. Hashtag Croningcast. Glenn, you're very welcome. <laughs> Thanks very much. Delighted to be here. You're welcome, uh, welcome, buried man. with props from the live show in here so I still haven't tied them they're just all over the shop oh, but, we got, uh, we've got that one we've got canes we've got uh, gardening tools some stuff actually arrived too late a top hat for Harry arrived too late <laughs> so he got he borrowed a cap from his granddad I think it was like a train conductor's hat I went down the tree anyway bro. Yeah. so pre-season talk to us about how, you, how it's going so far yeah no it's been brilliant um, <clears throat> lads have been working really hard uh, we've now long term injuries touch wood um, so that's the plan the date can we get to the to the end of pre-season without any any big injuries and obviously the players in the best physical condition they can be in the infamous hill runs in City West are they back <laughs> Rack Hill Rack Hill this time no that's that's it that's where it is um, yeah again the hill was brilliant the lads ran brilliant it's uh, no real science behind it it's more of a um, a mental mm. challenge than anything just go up the hill if you want to play for us and mm. um and they were brilliant again. So hunger equaled history and a C at the top table. So your own table, as well, Mick Bourne says, your own table. Well, Mick Bourne says if we do five, then we'll have our own seat at the table. Yeah. But I suppose the question here is, first of all, the hunger to equal the foreign row, but then how do you how do you motivate the team to go one step further and keep winning year on year? So how do you, how do you and Brazzer do that? Yeah, no, season? I think it's... Uh, it's not that it's easy I think it's year one we try and bring it back to year one all the time um, we're going to win our first league uh, that's how we'd see it mentally um, uh, would I behave like this in year one would I make that decision in year one so why would I take my foot off the gas and make it in year ten now for me I think it is coming at me ten season so I think uh, 
you keep it fresh in your head and understand that uh, you have to stay hungry. I said just before, you nearly we're very we're young and what we do, so we're starving for success. We want trophies and, and we want to win things. So I think once you pass that on to the players, uh, you have a great chance. I think when you said take your foot off the gas, it's a case of everybody buying into that whole mentality as well. I don't think you're allowed to take your foot off the gas. You'd have the likes of the senior members in the in the dressing room, likes of Pico and Greener. I'd say if they saw something like that before, maybe the management, they'd probably say right here. They'd pull them. I don't think you're allowed. Yeah, no, the collective mentality that's there, isn't it? That's that's the culture we we aim to create, and I think uh, what they're now, it's it, they run the dressing room, uh, they drive the culture. I think uh, like that, if someone takes their foot off, the lads have to have the the ownership and take responsibility to go and deal with something like that. It's very rare. The manager has to go into the dressing room and nail someone for something. They they manage it and police it themselves. So, uh, but that's taking time to get it to that stage, uh, and what they're now, so you're hoping. We keep driving that forward, like you know. Well, just I suppose a bit about your time as a player. First of all, I I was talking to you earlier. Welcome to the hot bit of town, and you said now body firm at Lawns. So this is your that's your upbringing. So I suppose tell us about the road to eventually moving to cross the water to Exeter. Yeah, well, I I played for Cherry Orchard all my schoolboy career. Um, I hate going to the Lawns. I'll be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it was always tough and it was always intimidating and you always get a game against Cherry Orchard and Lance yeah well many actually a lot of the lads used to say that whether we would have spoke to Stephen Mack about it Duffer about it Robbie about it even Brads are about it saying uh, you always felt like you were 1-0 down when you arrived up on the Lance it was that yeah. intimidating and um, but uh, loved it that was where I would have spent most of me me Saturdays there I would have played there 11 o'clock kickoff. I would have left the lawns at 3 o'clock that day would have hung around my boots to try and get a game would have watched the senior teams later on that day um, and then back to my ma's for a stew on a Saturday um, <laughs> but uh, so I played there till I was 16 and then moved over to Exeter City when I was 16 What about the team that you played with all the way up in Cherry Orchard any names? Uh, yeah I would have played with uh, Brian Shelley would have played in there Desi Bourne um, Andy Reid Andy Reid yeah Andy played in it uh, Darren Mead ended up going to Millwall um, how many players went abroad from the team yeah that I think was it was about 5 or 6 were you a league winning team like? yeah we yeah. would have won uh, a few leagues and uh, we would have got to a f- I think we got to 6 all in the finals uh, won 4 of them um, great team great coaches with uh, Ray O'Toole brilliant brilliant man someone I'm still in touch with now Um so we had great, great bond and great group of players, like you know. So, uh, yeah, am I missing? I think I'm missing a couple out of that team. There was a few that really went on to do well. So uh, now we had a great group, and yes, yeah, so I went off the extra sixteen. Uh, I went on it. So lads were going and signing. Like the manager was probably signing an eight-year contract at Arsenal. I signed a two-year YTS at Exeter. Was there any other offers on the table for Exeter? Yeah, well, what at fifteen? So it. It's some really silly where I was out. I missed about six months of football with um with an operation on my toe and couldn't get a right. Um, as a teenager? Yeah, as a teenager. So I missed a lot of football. And when I came back then, I'd, I'd gone on a couple of trials with other clubs. Uh, but when I went to Exeter, I loved it. Like, you know, I mm. went and uh, stayed in the digs with all the lads and played a couple of games, done really well. And they offered me a contract at the end of the week. And I just knew that was the right one for me when I got back, how they made me feel. I'd been trial a few clubs and... I didn't feel really part of it where there I felt a real part of it like you know that's a, that's a big part of making the yeah. decision or something isn't it oh, definitely for me it was as it, 
as a young man, I knew I would have needed people around me, um, and maybe the football suited me that level, like, you know. So, had you any other Irish lads in with you? Anyone around? I had uh, Kwame Ampadu came later. Um, Kwame uh, played for Belvo, went to Arsenal, but later on he came from Leighton Orient. Uh, with a young boy come in, Rene Moore. Um, Rene played, obviously, an Irish boy, I don't know who he played for, a school boy here, I can't remember. Might have been Crumden, actually. Um, and that was it, really. It wasn't too Glenn long. Crowe really, came really. in on, on loan, Glenn Crowe from Wolves, yeah. Um, so we had a few. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that was it. Six years there, Gary. You probably don't know about this, but Glenn told me this, I interviewed in the programme last year. Glenn played against Brazil in 2004. But there was a reason for this. I think it was the was it 90th anniversary because there's this story of Exeter actually travelled to Brazil 90 years ago. So they're celebrating the... Right. Anniversary, so they played against the Brazil Legends team. So tell us about this game. Who did you put one on? Tell us. Well, I actually tried it, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we would have played them. It was great. It was a brilliant experience. Actually, I got to uh, as captain of the club. I got to meet them the night before and go for dinner with them and um, welcome them to the city uh, with the Lord Mayor and all that jazz. And uh, but it was great. Uh, and then the next day we played them. So. I would have played. Uh, Dunga would have played in the game. He was there. The middle of the park. He was the thirty nine. Was it? Yeah, he was thirty nine at the time, and honestly, he was incredible. Like you know, I was only talking about the Graham Barrett today. It was incredible. Um, how fit he was and how he controlled the game and the learning in it for me was a uh, was brilliant, and uh, he absolutely smashed me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was uh, nice as well. I think, but uh, no, it was a good game actually. The beat us with nil, but an unbelievable experience. Uh, it was at the end of the season we were ready to go home for the end of season break and the game was put on late for that reason but um, for the anniversary but it was a great experience any other names in the Brazil team that you can think of um, Branco was the manager at the time um, who else played in it Middle, Middlesbrough or Branco was it no Branco sorry yeah he was the, he was played for Brazil in that team but he yeah, was older yeah. I think that World Cup winning team 98 World Cup winning team but he went on to he was the manager of that uh, Legends team I can't remember the, the rest of them all them 98 World Cup uh, winning players like you know but again they were brilliant so respectful they were nasty like even in that game they wanted to win and um, uh, the learning and it was brilliant like you know for a young player do you know what the Exeter fans sing even to this day uh-huh. have you ever played Brazil <laughs> yeah, you, well, you, would, games, you? yeah. you would so we're going to move on to the Shells dressing room uh, fairly lively I'd imagine with Pajo with Bocker Bocker Bailey Bocker Bailey still scoring goals he scored the winner for Bluebell in the Linsa Senior Sunday game 90th minute there on the weekend so he won 3-2 so Bocker's still at it um, eventful dressing room Alan Matthews as well yeah I was it look at <coughs> yeah it was a tough one for me really Shells I didn't I didn't enjoy my time with Shells um, I had some good people around but Alan's a great man and uh but I could, uh, it was probably a lot of the lads were part time and yeah. um, so it was hard with a couple of injuries there. But we we had a mad dressing room to be fair. And Bocker sent me the goal the other day. Actually, that's how bleeding mad he is in terms of that. But uh, he uh, we were great. Paget was great. Yeah, Bocker was great. We'd Philly Hughes, um We'd uh, Ian Ryan. We'd some good people in the dressing room that were uh, good lads, but really should have achieved more that team. Yeah. Like, you know for for what we had in the dressing room but it wasn't to be like you know I don't think uh, we didn't ultimately we didn't work hard enough we've kind of skipped over balls there haven't we um, so you were in the 2010 team that lost to Robbers on the last day 
<laughs> on goal difference. We've interviewed so many players. Someone brought this up the live show. From yeah. the Rovers' point of view. Um, we all remember the draw of the game where we're, we're getting updates on Bowes getting beaten in Galway. And then and then we're in Bray and uh, you had to beat Dundalk by five or six goals. Paddy Madden missed a lot of chances. So, so you played in that game? I played, no. The Galway game, I done my ACL in the Galway game. Because um, I want I want somebody to tell me about the Paddy Madden performance that day. I think Ken O'Man actually. Ken O'Man said story, something similar, yeah. didn't he? Because yeah. it was, apparently it was ridiculous. I watched it, yeah. Did he, he Yeah, he should have, he should have had, if, if Bowles had scored eight goals that day, you couldn't have argued, like, you know, the chances, <laughs> really, you couldn't have argued. Um, so sometimes it's just written in the stars, isn't it, like, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I watched it from the. I actually missed the last three or four games through an injury. But uh, um, yeah, Paddy could could have scored five, six goals easy, like you know. So we're going for three in a row. Yeah, actually, in two thousand ten. Um, so you had played in the two thousand eight, two thousand nine teams under uh, Pat Fenlon, and I was kind of looking at the points gaps that we had. It was sixteen twenty twenty one. Uh, that was the biggest the record was actually Bowles 19 in 2008 and of course we were undefeated in 2020 Bowles only had one defeat until you won it then you lost that 2018 were very good yeah um, so I guess was that one of the most dominant teams in the league 2008 yeah I think again the game has moved on I think what what that dressing room had was similar to, to what's what's here in terms of um, real togetherness, a real hunger to achieve. Um, it was a definitely a, a player-run dressing room. Some really big characters in it. Um, Deegan and Keegan in the middle, wasn't it? And uh, I played a bit as well. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus, uh, um, some tough, tough boys in, in that dressing room. You don't they? hear he really, really uh, good, strong characters that uh, yes, that went. Obviously, you want that. Listen, you have to be a good team to win the league, don't you? Yeah. So I think. Uh, Really good side. So we're going to talk about um, the procurement of one of our prize assets here. Mm-hmm. He's currently leading a, a leading light in the Afcon at the minute. So the Pigo move, right? Initially, what drew you to Pigo as a coach and a football collective? What What did you think? Right, we, we we want to take him across the across the lift. Well, I, I was lucky enough to uh, Pigo came into the dressing room with balls and I was there, and uh, he would have come in with about three or four other young players. Um, but he just stood out for me in terms of uh, what he was as a person first and foremost he didn't try and come in and give it a big one he didn't try and come in and he wasn't loud uh, and this is a this is pretty much a kid I'm like, yeah oh, he would have been only 17 yeah. um, he would have just kept himself to himself um, but once he walked onto the pitch you knew he was training like you know he yeah. would have he, he would have come out I'm sure he, he'd tell you technically he wasn't as good as some of the other players um, but you knew he was up against you. He would have chased you and kicked you, and um, I'm not in a in a an arrogant way or anything like that. It was real, just pure respect. I want to play. I want to be a footballer, and I really took that from. I really, I was drawn to him in that sense where I thought uh, this kid has a real chance, like you know. Yeah. So when the opportunity, when the manager asked me about him, I think he was at four signing Pico. I could be wrong. It was. He was one of four. He was one of four. Dan Curry, Dan Connolly, Yeah. So uh, when we decided uh, what, so at the time we we knew we had to make changes and 
Um, we knew we didn't. We didn't really. It wasn't that we needed better players. We just needed different players. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms mm-hmm. of people that were willing to, we knew people that would die for the short and, yep. and try and understand what it means to play for Rovers. And uh, so it was. In, it was a no-brainer with Pico in that sense. And um, and he look. He hasn't looked back. I think. But did I, did we think he'd go on and achieve what he's achieved? You're mad if you mm-hmm. thought he'd be the. He's the most capped Rovers player ever, isn't he? Is, yeah, is that right? Officially, yeah, twenty six. Most capped League of Ireland yeah. player, I think, as well. Player, yeah. yeah, from the um, league. So I think uh, to go on and achieve that, you, you, did I think that now? But could he go on to be a, a top player in the league? Definitely, like you know, just with his attitude and how he was the person alone, like you know. I think I remember talking to either yourself or Brazer, and I think you were as you as were as raw materials, yeah, and his attitude. You just yeah. saw both of those, and you saw that potential in him. Oh, definitely, I think. Pico was always pigeonholed for me. Um, this is what you are and this is what you can do. And I think with a lot of players, I think you just need to be told, no, actually, I'm more than that. Like, you know, I think uh, Pico can play. He's a, he's a footballing centre-back. He's gone on to be probably one of the best centre-backs the, the league's ever seen. So mm. um, I think if you think the the boy that we took in was a deep midfielder that just ran around and kicked people to what he is now, not wrong with how I made a living now. I can see you smiling there. But, um, I don't want to say that. No, but now we have a, a really polished centre-back that can play and is aggressive and has all them other attributes. So I think um, that takes for him to be open-minded to it. He came and he walked away from a really good job in the bank. So he, he took a gamble um, on himself. He obviously backed himself So uh, and he trusted us. So um, so where he is now, it's it's brilliant. Like, you know? He must have put an awful lot of work on the training ground into his passing game because I remember fans were very critical in... 2017, 2018, back then. He was playing in front of a back four, wasn't they he? They felt he was, he was a bit of a weak link yeah. in our passing game. And look at him now. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, I, I think the, the first day we got, when we signed him, we had him in uh, in the in the hall in Roadstone on the, the wooden floor, passing the ball, like, you know, yeah. really trying to master techniques of passing the ball, how we could improve him. So, um, And then from then on, he, it, it got to the point where P, he didn't need me or he didn't need the manager. Pico was taking himself to go and work on his passing and develop himself and uh, understanding different types of passes. And and again, he hasn't looked back in that sense. He's improved himself. Uh, so he's been brilliant, yeah. Uh, the four in a row. The big, big four in a row. So... Um what like as I know we've 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 nearly we've really exhausted this at this stage talking about the four in a row but I'll, I'll never get sick of it. So as a we know as a collective and going forward you want to obviously complete the five in a row but is it still kind of in the air about the four in a row the aura of what you've actually done? And, yeah. And well, like for me I talked to the manager about this today even before I came in here. So it's still being talked about. No, just about how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it just. I don't actually like talking about it if I'm being honest because it all sounds a little bit final to me that uh, like we've achieved something and I know that's for down the line. I think uh, I really, really feel like we're only getting started here. And Another day of the office job. Yeah, I've said that. And I think it's for the fans and I think it's for our families and for everyone else. I think for us, it's it's back to work. Like I don't think, and the players I'm sure feel the same. I don't think it's uh, even the reason podcasts where I don't particularly, I don't want to exercise uh about six months ago because I'm finished there and it's over mm. like you know even doing this is a little bit uncomfortable for me because I'm thinking we're not finished here yet like yeah. you know I think at the end it'd be great to talk about but right now um, look we understand it's an incredible achievement um, I've won a league I know how hard it is to win one league as a player I've won it as a coach I know how hard it is I know the work that goes into it um, so to 
to win four of them is an incredible achievement by the players that turn up every day and uh, the work the manager puts in, the rest of the staff put in. So it's a uh, look at it, we know we know what we've achieved, but it's that's it. Like you just park it and you go again. Like you, you know? keep going. Um, Even the live show only last week we asked Greener has it sunk in yet, and he's still like no, not really. No. He's not sure when yeah. it'll quite sink in. But um, the shaky start the, in twenty twenty three. Yeah, like the. This one is what I'm fascinated with as well because I think I think I have it started in our WhatsApp group that um, a message you put in you said it's never been as bad as this before and no team has ever come back from such a shaky start to win the league. It was a relegation. When you, when you said start, that, yeah. I started that message and I said we're gonna fucking do this. Mm-hmm. We're gonna win. It, I guarantee it. Well, I didn't start a message, but what's still ingrained in my mind is it was just a stat. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't a prediction or. Wasn't that um, ominous? It was just a stat from your Our first win of the season when we hockeyed <coughs> Dundalk 4 0 in Oriel Park, the bus to that game, someone said to me, The league is gone. And I was like, We're fucking five games in, you head case. Yeah. It's five games. It's a 36 yeah. game season. I just can't, can't believe fans even think that way. But it wasn't, it was a bizarre start to the season. With five draws, red cards, playing Gary O'Neill's centre back. So there were circumstances. Crazy, yeah. But yeah. Even, even that, like, I think there was a a conversation in one of the many WhatsApp groups that we're all in is that um, I'd watch a lot of Bundesliga and someone said oh it's Bayern it's Bayern Leverkusen's to lose now I think they're 8 points ahead there's 17 games left you've fucking Bayern Munich with Harry Kane yeah. up front you know what I mean you never know what Dortmund can do 17 games and people are writing off uh, Bayern Munich because Bayern Leverkusen are 8 points ahead football's a mad game we all know that so you, you, you I, can't I, I, I imagine no one was panicking in our camp but did you hear some crazy things I guess in the first two months of the season yeah, well, yeah as, a, as opposed to the normal atmosphere winning the dressing room where there'd probably be a bit of confidence and there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any cockiness we know that but what, did you notice a change in the atmosphere in the dressing room after maybe the fourth or fifth game you're thinking yeah we need to win a game <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah no really and this is this is uh, the God on the shoot. We never panicked. We never. You've heard the man. You've heard the manager speak. Uh, trust the process. And when you when you break down the games, we were brilliant in them games. Like when you when you look at the chances we created, the goals we gave up were were poor goals. Um, uh, unlike us at times, the red cards didn't help. But some of our play was probably the best I've ever seen this team play. Uh, so. In them the first fours. half against Derry was one of our best performances this season. Cork, yeah. and we got beaten as well. Yeah. So again, when you look at um, when you look at uh, football matches, would if we sat back at the end of it and go, would we rather um, win that game one 0 and play horrendous? How sustainable is that? Or can we keep hitting them levels? If we keep hitting them levels, we know we'll win more games than we draw or lose. So it was just a matter of reassuring the players. Um, the manager done a brilliant uh, presentation to them in terms of um, chances created and um, uh, XGs and expected goals and all that where the players could see oh this was the best that we created the most chances in them six games than we had in our four six games in the four, in the previous three years where we won the league so um, the so the results was, weren't really but you were actually playing top better. in the poll than you'd ever done before yeah top it's in the poll in terms of everything that we were doing so it was uh, and it was so reassuring for the players to go just more of the same there's nothing do we need to put it in the net of course we do do we need to keep it out absolutely but um, more of the same and you'll win more games than you lose or draw so uh, there was never any panic and even at that I, I, the fans were leaving that stadium buzzing like you know even yeah. the court game you're thinking 
obviously my dad ringing me going what a game and I'm thinking <laughs> well I'd rather win it like you know I'm glad you enjoyed it but um, so I think um, yeah there was never any panic again trust the process isn't it and, and you know we'd be fine even about the core game since a good segue into it um, you were booked but well, the away game we're talking about this time the, yeah, yeah so the, the away game May, yeah. um, you got booked that was Sean Grant's only appearance in the league that season I think now I think there was uh, there was a, a lack of refs something that was going on with fitness but I think that was his own, one and only appearance and he made <laughs> 11 bookings it was interesting so 11 bookings in one that game um, yeah. at any stage of the game were you just thinking oh, fucking this is like candid camera here or yeah this- didn't. I, I actually I think when we called the players in uh, at one stage and just said uh, just relax here like you know this yeah. isn't right this, this yeah. man isn't I didn't think he was capable like you know I didn't uh, I didn't think he was getting support and um, it just didn't feel right something just didn't feel right and um, the decisions he made were so rash and there was no getting through to him so um, but again we looked at ourselves after that we needed to be better like you know yeah. we need to know how to manage referees like that we need to know if, if he's doing people for a tackle then we need to be clever play the game yeah, then, yeah. play the game and that's the that's the ref you have to adapt to the game that you're in and if that's the ref for that day then one of them should be walking and not us and that was the learning. There was no excuse after that game, even though what we felt, but we we had a good chat after it in the dressing room, McCork, and there was no excuses made. It was, it was their fault, and and that's the reality of it. Yeah, but the the one thing that I think was is a massive, massive part of last season, and it needs to continue in for the foreseeable future for for as long as we're around is the introduction of a woman like Mary Larkin, and I feel that um. She's been praised to to high heavens and much and well deserved as well. So Greener went on about her a fair bit in the live show. It was it was he brilliant. Stressed her importance. Really, really important to to get her involved again. And how has she benefited you as a coach? Oh, she's been incredible, Mary. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a, a sports uh, psychologist many years ago, and um, I know the importance and the power they have. And it's something, and um, we spoke about our staff for for a long time. Um, so to actually get Mary in. Is an incredible tool to have her there. Like you know, she's um, she's been brilliant. Uh, for me again, the the type of stuff she do, I'm sure Aaron would have told you. I spoke about um, how to manage in game situations, how to uh, breathing exercises, visualization, um, and then um, even to to how you're feeling is all right to feel how you're feeling. And so there's so much to what she does. Um, because it's hard. People don't see. People only see the lads playing on a Friday night, and they don't. Not all the time. They don't understand what it goes into be a footballer it's it's not a, as exciting as people think like you know the lads are sleeping they're, they're resting they're eating properly they're not out the way um, the, the way a normal 22 year old or 23 year old would be so it's it's not as listen it's great when you win leagues we say that to them during the year you'll have the biggest party at the end of the season yeah. and, and we have done to be fair um, <laughs> but uh, for Mary she's been she's been brilliant in grounding people she's been brilliant one on one the team sessions we do Um so you, you learn so much from her, like, you know. Have you noticed any of the players coming out of their shell or little bits of improvement in their personality since she's been introduced? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd see more, I'd see uh, in-game reactions and stuff like that where um, sometimes you see a player that might have a reaction when he when he gives the ball away where you might see something different now because of stuff that he's been working on with Mary or yeah. um, if something, that, um, <clears throat> he gets a poor referee in decision, you might see a different mm-hmm. reaction to what you would have seen in the past. 
Um, Pico stuff ruffling people's hair now. Yeah, he, yeah. He has that's to brilliant. Cut, had to cut that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were actually yeah. talking about yeah. the guy there recently. That's brilliant because I, I'm not familiar with the sports. Um, what's what's the Psych. name? Sports like mm. so. She actually deals with in-game situations. So I yeah. just thought it was part of a mental thing and you'd sit down and you talk about how you feel. So mm. she would actually run through situations and how to react better. So the ref's not doing you a favour. He's, he's at you and he's pulling you up and everything. That's she would say, this yeah. is how you react. Yeah. No, don't give him your emotions, that type of thing. Yeah, so... Uh, so I, ne- co- I never I never really put those two together. Yeah, now she covers everything. Uh, Visualisation, um, the power of it and uh, how we breathe during games. So there's so much to it. Um People talk about that one percent. So uh, anything, anything we can do. And Mary's definitely added to that. I think last year she was brilliant because <laughs> the, the big thing for us was the players uh, bought into it, and there was no, uh, there was no one like when I did it uh, years ago. It was brought in as a group situation, and uh, half the lads didn't care about it. Where yeah. we have a group of people now um, within our dressing room that have all bought into it. So that's so powerful. Like you know, it's such a powerful tool, and. Um, and she's been brilliant. She's been brilliant there. Yeah. Um, the media, the Herald headline. We actually, uh, Ali from Match in a Minute started the documentary with this one, and that there was no prompt on that at all. We were just <laughs> chatting, and I didn't really want any input. I just told him I'd help him out as much as possible, and I said I'm dying to see it. And when I saw that at the very start, what was that? I think Shamrock Rovers. It maybe mm-hmm. already if they get their act together, it may already be too late. Rovers are now. Rovers and Rovers and Rovers and So so that type of thing, and he used that because he felt it was brilliant. Sometimes that gets pinned up in the dressing room. Surely, sometimes like the team doc written for you. It's so it's it's that easy. But I mean, that's early in the season. It's not coming from a specific club. Mm. Although you could argue it's coming from a, yeah. a Bow supporter. But um, does that does those little things help? Yeah, I listen. What what we've learned, um over the years is we don't listen to the noise you know we don't let the noise in so good or bad whether we're we're winning games we're going to run the games whether we're unbeaten the noise is is the noise we can't affect it we can't control reporters um, it puts a smile on your face obviously when you're lifting a trophy and you look back at your phone and see that <laughs> headline um, but uh, at the time yeah kind of, it, well it would me it'd make me think alright lovely like you know you'll see because You've so much belief and uh, faith in in this group of players and staff that mm. um, you just know you're going to be eating your words, like you know. So um, that's how I felt at the time. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. So when he writes that article, it's it's great, but we don't uh, we don't listen to the noise. We keep the noise out of the dressing room, good or bad. Yeah. Well, I, what I find interesting is um, we had our browser cast uh, a few years ago, and we we spoke about how he has dealt with the media over the years and he felt he was a bit too open and naive at the start and now you can see he's he's just an absolute pro the way he handles the media but he got accused of writing other teams team talks before he used to call Bowes games their cup final and then he'd be accused oh you're motivating them but if you look at it since like you have you have uh Bowes goalkeepers uh Kind of riding us up, yeah. and then we won five in a row since five games in a row against both. Since you have this headline, I remember Greener pointed one out against Sligo. Sligo on top of the league in May 2021, and he said they celebrated like they won the league. Yeah, I remember that actually. And then we beat them again at home in Tada, and I was interviewing him afterwards, and that's he brought that up. He was like, I remember them celebrating. So I like these little things that kind of are a bit of a kick up the arse and they motivate the players. 
Oh, you definitely use it. Sorry, you definitely use it. I think we lose a game, it's a uh, team celebrate like they've won the league. And that's that comes with the territory. That comes with being champions. People want to beat you and people want to catch you. But it, like I've walked on pitches after game shaking players' hands and asking, did they get the trophy tonight when they beat us? Like, <laughs> I hope you get the trophy tonight. And, but... Uh, that's that's the reality of it. Where you, and then you calm yourself, go back in, and, and our players know that and they feel that hurt and they that they hear them cheering the dressing room next door, and but it just drives you not to let it happen again. And uh, I think you're talking about a particular incident there. I think another one you're on about. Um, there was a bit of a celebration in the dressing room in Tala before, but it was it was a uh, ultimately um, premature. Yeah. Um, silence. So we have. Uh, I don't think. I think we seem to have a habit of releasing players and signing them back. And it's always it's always good business. So, mm-hmm. as from fans' perspectives, this is the most excited I've ever seen the fans about any signing whatsoever. And no disrespect to anyone else who's come in in the off season, but it's just how it is, isn't it? It's everyone's been really excited to see Aaron Mack back. So, uh, it's good to have him back. Ah, brilliant to have Aaron. He was incredible for us um, uh, when we got him and um, when we had him. Sorry. Uh, Again, understanding that when we got Aaron, he was a he was a number ten for Derry, and over the the next couple of years, he becomes probably the best box to box midfielder in the country, and um, so that's where we want to get him to. Uh, he probably has the best football song I've ever heard. It's, <laughs> it's uh, the best song ever. So uh, I love how you remember the date of begun, uh, Finn Harps twenty nineteen. That's right. That was the began on the bus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, Aaron's been great. He, again, a brilliant person. Um, from a really good family uh, he has his own little family now so it's great to get him back we've always stayed in touch with him um, which we do with most of our players that's probably how they all keep coming back um, <laughs> but uh, but no a brilliant signing hopefully he can bring what he's brought in the past and, and kick us on again I see once again you mentioned it, and I wanted to say it earlier on is that you seem to be able to better players when they arrive and see something extra in them is, the, is it a case of you spotting Let's say, for example, you turn ten into an into an eight, a box to box midfielder. Did you see something you and the gaffer, whoever else, in Aaron, and think we can get more out of him? Yeah, I think when with Aaron when he first came, and and we were trying, we watched how he moved. He probably moved better than what we thought, like you know. Yeah. And the conversation was he can cover every blade of grass here if he wants, like you know. But he has to want it. And when you sit and talk to him and um and make him believe that. You know, if you can take if you can take the ball off his toe on the edge of on the edge of air box and get on the end of something in their box, that makes you a special player, like you know, for this club and um and again the fans have to love someone so make them love you, like you know. So I think um Aaron Aaron is a again, like the rest of them, a brilliant, brilliant person and that's what we would have seen in Aaron early. Uh departures we big Al and Finner, so an end of an era, really, because I mean <clears throat> Finner pretty much kickstarted the revival. He was the first big marquee signing coming back. Um, kickstarted the very first ever podcast show as well. So it was it's, it was a very emotional moment for us seeing Ronan leave the club. Mm. And of course Big Al as well because they've been so pivotal in the four in a row. And, and helping the club progress. So um, it's all a uh, great relationship with the lads after they left. And Ah yeah, look I think... We, we've always had with the two boys and with nearly every player we've always had a brilliant working relationship um, the lads the two of them set standards <clears> every day um, brilliant people on and off the pitch uh, great with their teammates 
um, and obviously top top players like you know so I think uh, they're actually they're the people that you want to represent your football club you have a vision of what you want your football club to look like and these are two people at the forefront for along with many others now that we brought in but um, now look at football you move on to football again life goes on and uh, we're forever grateful for what he did for us but um, on to the next you know yeah exactly um, of the four seasons um, 2020 it was such a strong and balanced team and we went the season unbeaten of the four seasons was the start of 2021 one of the more challenging years because of the loss of Jack and Aaron McAniff and you had to rejig things a little bit I remember we scored a lot of late goals in the first 13-14 games of the season so we were grinding out results was that one of the more challenging periods? I think maybe for the dressing room I think for the players themselves when you look it's two big characters leaving their dressing room um, but for us as staff now you understand you've lost real quality but still with what we had in the dressing room was incredible quality like you know and uh, and again brilliant people that that know what it takes to go to the 96th minute the 95th minute and um, so uh, no I, I, I don't think so with what we had in the dressing room again maybe character wise but and making the players believe that we can win a league without Jack or we can win a league without um, who was it who did we lose Aaron Mack. Aaron Mack, sorry, with Aaron and, and Jack, sorry, um, we can win the league without both. So making them believe that might have been the challenge, but um, again, everyone else, what we have in that dressing room is, is uh, they believe in themselves and they believe what they can achieve, like you know. So I don't think that that was the only probably challenge, but apart from that, no. The likes of Liam Scales stepped up that season. Yeah, yeah big time. Um, how, how good did it feel? For, for the justification of the hard work for those late goals going in, you know, never stop. How good did that do? It was a passage where? How many how many was there? There was three against Longford alone. Last minute winners. Uh, yeah. I think he had Finn Harps as well. There was there was a lot. There was Pats, Mandrew, scored late with behind closed doors. So did, how good did that feel as a, as a coach? And in the dressing room to keep, it, it, did it justify things? You were like, lads, this is what happens when you keep going. You know, you keep going, Definitely. you keep going, yeah. I think it the dressing room must have been great crack after. Oh, it's brilliant because it only you only have to <clears> score one late goal and then the opposition fear you, you know, you're thinking these lads don't stop, like you yeah. know, and once you have it in their heads and then once on the pitch in the ninetieth minute or the ninety fifth minute and our players are still going and they're still talking and still uh, demanding out of each other, I think the it puts fear into the opposition. So uh we, we just it's a it's a brilliant um it was a brilliant thing. It was a brilliant um, tool that we had that year, never to stop. And I think uh, that was probably one of our strengths that year to go on and win games late. But it's huge. It I can't. Uh, I can't. I have to tell you this story with my dad, right? So my dad is at a, is in a house in uh, in Ballyferme, and there's loads of Pats fans in it. Right. And obviously that Pats game, when Danny scored late, is behind closed doors, and so they're all what he has the game on on the dodgy box. Yeah. And um, oh, you mean yeah. the yellow white subscription that you bought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's coming <laughs> through, and it's coming through on the yeah, it's behind anyway. So it was uh, and there's loads of Pats fans in the house, and he's uh, his phone's pinged to say Danny scored in oh. the in the 97th minute or 96th <laughs> minute. So he's gone out to the kitchen to all these lads, and he's had a 50 quid bet with all of them that Rovers would beat Pats two one. So they were all like, "Is he off his head?" So they all took the bet. Went inside, sat down and watched the game. <laughs> so he's sitting there and Danny goes through and he's screaming, go on, Danny, Danny scores, obviously, and they're all throwing 50 euros at him. So <laughs> I ended up in the house that evening and the lads, uh, they had murder with him. But uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. The late goals and my dad made a right few quid oh, that night. Yeah. 
I was actually in Richmond that night myself, yeah. Was one yeah, you're one, one of the few probably making noise. There was just a gang of us like substitutes dugout, and officials and all just yeah, made made a huge racket we did. Um I asked you this question in the programme. Um I was fascinated by your by your answers. What makes a good assistant manager? Uh, easy loyalty and trust. Um I think uh being loyal to your manager, to your players, um uh, it's easy for me that like you know I think first and foremost we have to be together so if, if we're not together and I don't show the manager loyalty or he doesn't trust me or and I don't trust him I don't think we uh, I don't think we achieve anything like you know I've seen so many I've played under coaches that the old where they're walking past you saying you should be playing that little wink like you know when the manager's left you out of the team or so that doesn't wash for me like you know um, it's crazy division doesn't it yeah so I think um, you know you, you back your manager and uh, yeah so loyalty and trust it's um it's beyond that now though it's not just a working relationship anymore is it it's it's developed into a what's what's they call it a bro a bro a bromance, a bromance. <laughs> I don't know but we're killing that like <laughs> but uh, I know look we have a great relationship with with the manager um we've definitely grown closer over the years considering I didn't know him before I I um came to Rovers that's so. what I find fascinating is the fact that he's just met at Rovers and Bradzer didn't know McPhail either yeah I was looking at a clean yeah. shave and Bradzer and you taking yeah. the first team you ever had you ever had you had the Brennans you had, you had all sorts of players in it running I'm not sure where the training ground was but it, it was just it was fresh faced forced <laughs> ever introduction into management so it was it was a very interesting photo have you ambitions to manage yourself no I, I thought I wanted to manage uh until I start working with the manager, like you know. Really? Yeah. So uh I think then it just works. Just think yeah. it works, like you know, I, I love working with him. Uh, I think he's well, you're happy. I think he's incredible. Way, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. I, th- I think he's incredible at what he does. So and uh and it, and it's look at I love working for him, I love working with him, so it's yeah, no, I I don't want to manage now. Well you've said that this is your not your first podcast, you did the Exeter one, but do you think you're one who doesn't really want the Attention or, or spotlights, for, for example, do you remember when balls were managed by Keith Long? It was always Keith Long and Trevor Crawley. I know Trevor has a bit more of a high profile because he managed Rovers, but is that something you would ever, I guess, look for more credit or do you just quietly go about your work? I guess, no, definitely. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't like the limelight. Um, <laughs> I like I said, I even struggled coming in here today. I don't think, I think. Th- coaches that do that in my opinion should go and be managers I think I look at coaches now uh, try and have a voice um, uh, when they work for a manager I think uh, well then go and be a manager I think they, I'm there to support the manager to assist the manager and give him everything I can um, if I wanted it, if I wanted that limelight I would go and be a manager but it, it nah it's not What's for me What's the assistant at uh, Newcastle Does he's always in the media yeah, well, that's the point. You know him, that's the yeah. point. We shouldn't know him. Like you think, you think of the great managers over the years. No one knew who their assistants yes, were. Yes, very, very much no one so. Knew who yeah. their assistant managers were. So. and it wasn't the and like yeah. Bob said, it wasn't and Trevor Quality mm-hmm. or whatever. But we're we'll talking about the four in a row again. The best moment for you it can be a little moment. Like I, I even sitting down talking about with this ourselves, we struggled. I, I struggled to think of the best moment in the four in a row because no, there's so many. Well, we asked in the hotline, and most people picked two. So I guess we'll ask we'll ask then if you had to pick two standard moments it can be turning points it can be particular moments yeah I don't know I think obviously in Chicago that night was just special wasn't mm-hmm. it like so I think uh, walking onto the pitch 
after the game and uh, I think my son was the first, first one on the pitch he climbed the barrier um, I think he was thrown over the barrier actually by someone <laughs> because, uh, he said to me I just felt him lifting me saying run to your dad so um, he ran towards me and I picked him up and so that was a really really special moment um, seeing me, me dad in the crowd um, so brilliant brilliant times um, during the year um, I don't know I, I, I find it hard to pick when you're so in it like you know I think I just remember, for me, I always remember Stephen Mack saying after the four six games, uh, this will be the best year yet, Like you know, even though we hadn't won a game. Yeah. I remember him saying, um, I promise you this will be, the, when we win it, this will be the best year, Like you know, and that always sticks in my head. And So that they, that probably be the two things that stick in my head over, and Mack saying that, and, and, and obviously there's loads of different moments throughout different games uh, during the year, but like the Cork dressing room after the game, we had to take responsibility for it away to Cork we couldn't allow make it, we couldn't make excuses so that was, they were turning points in the season where you go everyone's out to get you and yeah. they're doing everything in their power to stop you so this is we have to rise above it we have to be better so there are little points in the season where um, and there's, there's many of them throughout the season that um, make a special at the end but uh, in Chikor and, and I can just hear Max saying that all the time I promise you this will be the best year yeah. like, you know so I think um, we had our most popular ones were Shells 3-2 uh, with Gaff getting the lake out and Dundalk mm. with Jack and the the mental game seven plus thousand most fans think that was too I know mm. you're saying pass but that was behind closed doors wasn't it are you talking about the Mount Joyo game no I'm talking about uh, last game of the season this oh season. last yeah, game yeah. of the season sorry, sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah most picked those two got the dramatic Gaffney winner and I think most of you guys ran out the dugout I don't the listen pitch. Rory's one was was incredible because again you're running out of time uh, and it came. It just and he was actually supposed to be like no one spoke about this. Rory's supposed to be front post, like you know, mm. he's pulled back post and <laughs> the far corner, you there? do your job. And then I went yeah. all Roy Keane and I do your job, but he <laughs> uh, he throws it in the far corner. And then even watching when you watch it back and see him celebrate, it's how much it means to them. And I think every member of staff came out of stand and because um, we really felt mm. like it was a the real moment he's quite a reserve yeah. fella as well mm-hmm. so to see him celebrate like that mm-hmm. was brilliant I haven't seen him so excited since he had a curry on his own after he won in Macedonia he's always happy when he's <laughs> eating you never noticed that I think the rain added to as well isn't it you see the pictures and just the emotion on our faces and Duffer just looking depressed I think yeah. the game that it was again you know, we forced him into a low block and, and they struggled to uh, to get out we were able to dominate the game and we couldn't score, and uh, it was an incredible second half, I think. And then for him to go and uh, score that goal, it was a yeah, look a really special time, wasn't it? Like you know, do you look at certain points as being pivotal as to acquiring a winning mentality? Obviously, we won the cup, so we get our first bit of silverware. We beat Dundalk three two, like we hadn't got the we hadn't bested them in the league in a long time. So do you look at that time as? we're a winning team now and we're going to win trophies yeah definitely I think you have to we've always said it. we just need to win a trophy you win your first trophy and I think once you get a taste for that as a player and understand uh, how hard it, and how hard it is to get there you want more of it like you know I think uh, the best want more of it um, I think uh, it, it, it's hard to get there but when you have it and you have it in your hand you just don't want to let it go like you know I think so for me uh, the semi-final in in uh, 
Daily Mount was an incredible night for me. Like you know, it's I think still that one of my favourite Rovers matches ever. Yeah, for me probably as well. Uh, I think um, a real turning point in the group because we couldn't beat them and um, to win that night and and it gets you to a cup final. It was really uh, emotional time. Like you know, I thought it was really special and how we played that night was brilliant. How we managed it was brilliant. It was like we just grew and uh, it, we just felt like look at this is our time now. Let's go. Like you know, so. Uh, and then obviously the cup final itself. with the semi itself though I want to talk about this because as I've admitted plenty of times I'm no tactician Stephen has let me know on that as well <laughs> but there was a change in tactics for the semi-final wasn't there there was because we didn't play the process wasn't trusted as you could say it was a, it was a different direct approach was that something was that a a decision that they made lightly or was it like okay let's we have to change this no I think it's not working no what happens is in, in football matches football matches change all the time so you have to change with them like so I think uh, how Bowes set up that day would have been we, we have to be able to counteract that like yeah. you know so that's that's ultimately what it comes down to there's no um, no massive change of, of tactic it was just if this is how it's going to come well this is how we're going to beat you so yeah. um, and that was if they'd have come a different way we would have played a different way so there's no way uh, we, ha- we we understand we have a, a way of playing, but we're also uh, we can adapt. Like you Box know, so, clever, yeah, as, so. as they say. Yeah. But during the the winless run against them, they had they gotten a bit of joy off us by pressing our centre backs, our full backs. I remember there was one game where they actually won a couple of penalties. I think it was 2018. Yeah, Grace and Clark. But then we we totally switched it up in the semi final. Um, we asked Bradley this question. About the 2019 semi finals, a very important question, Glenn. Okay. Was it a corner? It's never a corner. It? <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was another game, Gary, wasn't it? Dundalk, not last season, season before last, was it? We beat Dundalk 3 0 in Tada because they played such a high line. Yeah, O'Donnell, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, they actually they were actually very poor. Was, yeah. was that just throwing fish into a barrel because. They basically just the week before told told us how to beat them. Yeah, was that was that an easy decision to make to, to play like that or? Yeah, again, that's football. If, if someone wants to come and play in the halfway line, the space is in behind them. So you're if thinking someone, on your feet here. Yeah, if someone wants to drop off, well then we have to try and break lines to get them behind them. So it's not, it's not a. Yeah, I don't think it's it's um it's just that's what turned up that day. We knew that's the way they were going to come and. We knew that we've done that with many teams. Like you know, it just happened to be Dundalk that that game seemed to get highlighted, and uh, they they weren't willing to change as the game went on for whatever reason. So, um, so we were able to hurt them. Another day, you 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 don't take them chances, and no one talks about how high they were or or how well we done against them, or was it or how poor they were defensively or nothing like that. So, uh, that day it worked, and and we won the game. So it was a job done onto the next. Like you know. I remember Stephen O'Donnell came out afterwards and I don't know if you know Glenn Gary does a mean O'Donnell <laughs> impression well, he's, in the 50s universe he's, he's, passed. Like he's passed away now but uh, <laughs> he came out afterwards and just went on about their possession stats and we're all just like who cares he's lost 3-0 man yeah, yeah. Um, but it's all great talking about the, the positive ones but was any low moments for yourself personally during the four in a row when you you just thought okay it's not this isn't great no, I'd be pretty good like that. Yeah. Um. Wait. Uh, there's nothing that I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I'd be pretty good in in terms of even my life like that. Like you yeah. know, I wouldn't. I'd be a pretty positive person. Um. No real moments where in the last four years where I could say any doubt creep. I think doubt's always there. 
for everybody like you know being able to tell it to do one is is, is a strength like you know yeah, so yeah. I think uh, um, but there's no real moment that, that stood out for me where I felt this isn't happening or like I said first five six games I was never more more convinced that we'd win the league like you know yeah. so um, so I don't think there's no, no real negatives like you know I think uh, in the last four years it's, it's something it's part of the job you have to be able to manage it and lift yourself and, and see the um, trust the process and, yes. and I know that keeps getting thrown out but when you have a plan when you have a plan and you, you never look at the outcome like you know you'd always look at it's always process driven so um, that's what we'd look at and if we're playing well and if, if our players are delivering then brilliant sometimes you're going to play brilliant and lose games that happens but once we're performing more times than not you win a game like you know yeah. The Finland and the Finland era ended, and you sat down with Bradzer. Can you remember the first time you ever met Bradzer and sat down and decided, "Here's our first chat." Can you remember the first chat you had about in terms of coming together as yeah, a coach? Because he he, uh, he came to my house and um, I was sitting in uh, the sitting room with my wife Emma and having a glass of wine, and uh, he came in unexpected or. No, we were having a glass of wine. It's fine. Yeah, he came in unexpected. Or he rang me, said, "Look, I come okay. up and speak to you." So he came up and said. Um, uh, they've offered me the job and I said right brilliant he said I'd love you to take it with me um, and you your relationship wasn't no, we'd worked together that's it but there wasn't any friendship at the time no no we'd worked together well we kind of when on the path we uh, <coughs> would have worked together and would have yeah. had a bit you know a bit of laugh and that and, and enjoyed it and got on well because you have to you have to enjoy what you're doing like, yeah. you know so uh, we um, so he came to the house and he asked me would I take it with him and uh, I said yeah and and that was that, and we spoke about how how we'd see a team, how what we want the team to look like in three, four, five years time. Um, we spoke about Shamrock Rovers. Not everybody can play for Rovers. Um, it's not an, an easy club to play for. And at that point, I think I was the only player that had never played for Rovers because everybody seemed to play for Rovers yeah. at that point. Um, so. Uh, we wanted to change that. We decided what type we needed. Like I said, didn't have to be. Um, uh, we spoke about it. we didn't decide uh, it didn't have to be better players and they just needed to be different and we spoke about actually four in a row and we were only talking about this recently yeah. um, the fact that we said that call it naivety or uh, I don't know youthfulness or whatever you want to call it we we no fear and we, and we just thought if we're going to be here because all you hear about is four in a row and rightly so so because uh, it's an incredible achievement uh, what them boys did in the 80s and to what's been done again but um, you want to go and, and, and better it and beat it and better it and or obviously match it and then try and better it like you know so uh, that would have been the conversation but there was a shaky start turnover as well the player turnover 12 players in and out I think it was um, obviously Finner came back as captain we spoke about Pigo coming in um, I can't remember exactly what the stat was we, like, we lost 4 of our first 6 games Um you said you ignore the noise, but and you trust the process, and you don't doubt yourself. But has there been times like at the start of that, and the following year there was like a couple of bad defeats to bowls and draw in the cup and stuff. Were the times where like the the pressure on the outside from maybe the fans, kind of questioning this whole thing, was that were any tough times around there? Yeah, I think when obviously when uh when the sign enough is enough I noticed I have that on my phone as well I think uh, it, you you understand it we definitely understood it like you know but 
we knew we could see improvements in what we were doing. Um, it's not nice. It's never nice. Like you know, um, you hear you can hear fans booing you, but you could also hear fans, and we had good people around us to say we can see what's happening here. Like you know, this is going to take time. And um, the manager spoke about some of the foreign row and in Mick and Pat and people like that that come down and, and spoke to us at times and uh, told us how how they can see it getting different, how they can see a change, and then it's just going to take time. You need to stick with it and. Um, they were brilliant for us. Um, was it was it hard? I, I don't know. Again, we could see the team improving, like you know. So um, you don't want to lose football matches. So um, the draw of the one was a really tough one uh, to take, but <clears throat> that's where we were at the time. And as you get older and more experienced, you you understand that losing them games is, becomes part of your success, like you know. So I think you have to lose them games to find out. Um, what we are, who we are as coaches, as managers, I think uh, it all becomes part of it now. Now, and people now, if you if you were a young Rovers fan now, you'd probably just see this as amazing. The last four years, they're winning everything, yeah. but they didn't see them uh, nights and draw. They haven't seen all them losses in the past. They didn't see the enough is enough sign. So, um, they all they're all part of it, and we were kind of mature enough to understand that at the time to go. We're at Rovers, like you know, this comes with it. Um, is it nice now? Could we do without it? Absolutely, mm-hmm. but this comes with the territory. So, um, you either front up or doing. We talked about the squad mentality and <coughs> oh, excuse me. We talked about the squad mentality and the fact that everybody buys into it and the players manage themselves. Have you got a deputy? For fines, or are you the main man when it comes down to it? I'm the main man. I You're don't the mess main it. man. <laughs> I don't miss about. No, I think again the fines. Uh, I think uh, I get a bit of stick for it. Uh, we have a bit of crack about it, but it's. But it exists in every football. Yeah, no, this is standards. Like you know, I yeah. think ultimately it's standards. It's uh, you have to be held accountable for your actions. I think if if you're late for training, you get fined. If uh, if you're missing, if you're wearing a different training kit, you get fined because yeah. we're a professional football club, and um, you know it. Ultimately, it's standards. It's because we want to do the right things. If we if we let small things go, everything we do is in the small detail. So, if you wear the wrong bottoms and they're not the right bottoms, well, that's that's not professional. So, would I if I was a player and I've been here four years and it was my first year in my first year, would I arrive in the wrong shorts? No, I wouldn't because it'd be the fear of being at a new club. So, what's changed four years down the line? Yeah. So it's a fine. So that's how we behave. Um, I got fined last week by the player. So oh yeah, uh, so the pl- it was a. Uh, a coup on the on the yeah. fine master. Well, that's all right. I'm so happy. that's cool. I like so that. you take that, like you know, you held the we're held accountable. We hold them accountable. So, um, the standards are in our group, and um, so yeah, I make a, a really few quid out. Okay. <laughs> uh, Greener spoke about that the live show, didn't he? He spoke yeah. about the mentality that was there, and it was great. And there's some really really strong dressing room heads there. He said Dave McAllister. He said he was really really strong. He said he was a great mm. guy, and that. It, there was always a good turnover of, of good heads in the dressing room. And Not to mention Joey O'Brien. Was well. Joey, Joey was the main man for the points. He was dishing out the credit card and the points. <laughs> um, and the Pico wheel as well. I think, I think Dave McAllister had a wheel as well. I love yeah. all those little things because it, like, it makes you want to stick around. Like, like Greener said in the live show, he said no one just goes home. He said it's not a case of where he was at previous clubs and they come in and they just go and you'd be home by two o'clock. He says the players are sitting around having coffee, having a bit of crack talking it's a social hub as well where they all just mm. blend and mash together and I found that fascinating I found that brilliant well just on that I think under Pat when when uh, me and the manager were, were coaching under Pat 
we'd be in the train train had just finished half twelve, one o'clock and we'd be in bushes getting footballs out of out of bushes and the players would be leaving in their cars like, you know? Yeah. So that's that's not a, a culture like like you said, <clears throat> our players go and get the footballs now because it's their culture, it's their dressing room, they're their footballs. So it's and, and they don't leave, they come in and they're in the gym like you said or having a coffee or spinning the wheel or having a crack, whatever it is. So uh it's a good place to work like, you know? Yeah. I remember towards the end of the season you were giving someone awful stick for being late I'm trying to think who it was now was it might have been Mal or John John maybe can't think who it was now but you were just giving them stick all night after the game <laughs> that, that you, you were you I'd find someone them in the back room anyway because yeah. the, the banter there is quite good now I heard you and Mal now get along famously so uh, I don't know if you can think of anything specific but we love a nice Mal story now. well like you, you said oh, he said it in the programme he was um all Ireland on the 16 Irish dancing champion and he, <laughs> wait, he wait, doesn't wait, wait. Uh, he doesn't let people know that just let that man. sink in guys. as in yeah. River Dance League yeah he's an da- Irish dancer no, it wasn't <laughs> no. yeah. and does he, he does, doesn't, is uh, it a party trick now does he ever no no he wouldn't do it now um, but uh, yeah that's Mal oh, listen Mal's been great he's good around the dressing room he uh, he loves a song uh, and the same with Jerry and John um, we need them characters like you know I think uh, all the best football clubs have them and uh, they bring something to the table uh, the players can, can buzz off them can have to crack with them and it's relaxed and then they know that when the manager comes into the room we're at work like you know yeah. so we think we have to have that um, we have to have that that way about us within the club so um, and it works it works like you know but uh, now Mal's been great uh, brilliant singer better Irish dancer because <laughs> it's been the same staff from the beginning that's what I love about it aside from Darren Dillon who's left and replaced by Owen but it's been the same right from the beginning Jose um, again last season I remember John getting off a stick because Robert Goggins interviewed him about his, his igloo Hollywood we're calling that Hollywood <laughs> so he got awful abuse over that interview didn't he yes ah, but again sorry again look at the lads I haven't, I haven't mentioned Owen Jose uh We've Mark Pemrose, those are is our analyst. Um, we've John, we've Mal, we've Jerry, and we Stephen McPhail, who has been incredible for us. Like you know, um, when I sit and talk about um, myself and the manager, I did, said that Stephen Mac is at the forefront of all of that. Like, yeah. He's been very good for us. Like you know, so uh, yeah, we're blessed to have people we we can go to work with every day that we really uh, we look after each other. Like you know, we're good friends. It's a, it's a great click, isn't it? There's another thing that Brazzer kind of got a bit of. I don't know, maybe people made fun of him a bit at the start because he would constantly use the word group and says yeah. our group, the group, the group, the group. But the more time has gone on, I see why it's so it's important. Just to know, all it? the names you just mentioned, you're so tight knit and you listen to each other and the respect you have for each other. Yeah. It's obviously been central to all this success. Yeah, no, definitely. Because again, we're a team, we're our own team. With Tony Mack, I left out and I forget him, but. Um, we're, we're our own team of staff and uh, we have our, our time together we go for dinner with our wives and um, uh, and we we, uh, we have our nights out and um, we support each other so I think it's you don't look at no one builds anything alone like you know so I think that, and where the manager's been brilliant he's brought all that together like you know so he's uh, and he's he's encouraged people to go and uh, be themselves and uh, so Mal can have a sing song Tony Mack can be the quirky man that he is and whatever <laughs> else so um, I was at in Bergen in Norway the the famous karaoke the karaoke yeah well, he said couldn't yeah. get you off the stage and yeah. he said everybody yeah. up with me. this once again this was the live show he said that that was a turning point for him as a dressing room as well he said that no one would get up we said once one got up 
you couldn't get them off stage. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's those little stories that I love that you'd never hear about. But we talk about Europe. Europe is always fascinating for us. And 2021, is that used as motivation to kind of go to the next step again, the group stage? Yeah, definitely. Once you've had a taste of it, uh, you want more of it. Like, you know, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. Um, would we, We'd have likened to, obviously, win games. and um, But it wasn't to be able for the players how how they handled that and managed they were incredible like you know yeah. to go on and win a league that year I don't think many have done a qualified in one league so um, got the group stage in one league so for them to like some of the travel was incredible um, during that during that tournament so um, but the players just took it in their stride and, and, and again it shows you um, what what they are and, and who they are as people and even for us to, to be better how can we make that better if we get there again and and I know because a lot of them is the same group they want more of it like you know yeah. so uh and that's the aim, obviously, yeah. Well, you said 2021 there. The reason you said that was because we are actually we were thinking of Flora. Oh, sorry. Because oh, we canceled the playoff. Yeah. So did we, I suppose, learn from any mistakes in that tie? Did we take that into the following year and become a bit smarter in how we took on these unknown entities? Like we played Malta, played Hungary, yeah. Macedonia. So did that help not only motivate us, but will be learned from it yeah definitely look I think you're coming up against uh, top class players um, top class coaches um, big 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 clubs and um, so to you can only learn like you know we have to we know we have to adapt um, when we play in certain games in Europe we have to change to to what we do at home um, we're not naive to that fact but uh, so yeah to, to go and qualify then after that um was incredible so it all comes back to them learning it comes, it's with anything else you have to lose them games to, to become stronger and, and be better so um, again would would have when we, like I said when we get to them groups people wouldn't have spoke about them the losses that we would have had previous use her now thanks but um, <laughs> but that's part of it like you know you have to learn you have to um, understand why you lost them games um, if you don't understand it then uh, you're never going to improve like you know do you ruin anyone in particular the gaffer is it no, I room on my own. Uh, I get my own room. I have. I had a few uh, room with Tony Mack and a few. I done. I done three and a half weeks in India with Tony Mack. That was an experience. Yeah, uh, we had some good interviews with that with Danny Norton, Jazzy talking about. I didn't about even think of it. Bottles yeah, of Kingfisher beer. Yeah. No, Danny. Uh, Tony has a pair of sluggies, different colour sluggies for every day of the week. <laughs> so that was an experience. Um, funniest away story. How many funny away stories? And well, Europe, I mean, I guess yeah. In Europe, yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think it's PC. Like, are they airable? Well, not for us. It really airs <laughs> is pretty professional in terms of. We're in the hotel. You might have a, a glass of wine like for the game. That's about it. Like, just to chill out. Yeah. It's Milan, prof. This is a this this one. I still look back on this. I was actually watching. I was looking at that starting eleven to see who played. I was look watching Chalanoglu the other night. Um, Mostly a different team. Frank Kessie was playing. Yeah. Hernandez just. I mean, pinching yourself stuff. So how professional were they? And respectful were they before the game as a squad and a staff. Oh, brilliant. They were, they were what you, you would expect. Um, the class uh, they showed. Um, uh, everything, you know, even how they arrived, how they looked. They looked the part. Maldini was absolutely gorgeous when you <laughs> the tunnel. Um, but so respectful. Uh, they told us they watched us uh, five of our games before we played them. Um uh, that they really respected us and uh, we they knew that we could hurt them on a day like you know so um, and we we probably should have like you know so uh, 
again a great experience it just you just feel for for the players that they didn't get the chance to play away like you know or, or play that in front of a, a packed mm. uh, Tallis Stadium and obviously uh, for our fans it, it was a real a real real uh, dampener for them not to get to experience that in Tallis like you know so um, we're out of the game in the San Siro anyway so don't yeah. forget try and trigger that one yeah. and we can get yeah. we can get on our way day for it Maldini was very complimentary afterwards wasn't he about with the way we played we it would have been so easy to just it's AC Milan let's like keep the scoreline down but we didn't change anything we just played our own game we played out from the back tried to play football and they obviously respected that afterwards yeah no definitely I think they, they understood we did our work and um, as much as 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 uh, as they watched us, we watched them. Like you know, so uh, it's the, the old saying eleven v eleven, have a go. And um, there was there was definitely we understood there was spaces in in their team where we could hurt them. And uh, and another day we we scored a goal if the they hadn't got a joint in the goal. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my God. Yeah, Green yeah. had a great chance at the start. Yeah, a great well, chance. Only had one where if he had pulled it back for Finner, yeah, it was a great chance. But we've spoken about <laughs> we've spoken about. Um, how we changed it up for the Bowes semi-final in 2019. We spoke about the Dundalk game where we took advantage of their high line. What about in a league game, if we're either chasing the game or looking for an equaliser, and we we never change the way we play, and you're probably hearing shout from the stand, you know, what a <laughs> like, go forward or Brutal at the back. just go long or <laughs> something. She was yeah, 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 yeah. a good one when um, I sent that back, Savage. Yeah. I know, I know. Like the Brazza, he's not going to change the philosophy. But have you ever sort of talked about mid-game that for whatever reason, maybe we should do something different here because it's nil nil or one all. Maybe we could try something different. Has ever that conversation ever happened? You're always looking at, at different ways to be better, but um, I don't, I don't see one. Like you know, I think what we do is the right thing to do. I think. Uh, we strangle teams. We yeah. a lot of the time we uh, we have the ball. Um, can are teams capable to to concentrate and stay in the game for for that long? When we have them, we feel it. You, you can feel in games that this is coming, like you know, and and our players will be telling the opposition this is coming, like you know. So uh, we try and grind they, them down. Would, would they, yeah, yeah, they tell them. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> tired, and uh, so this is coming. This is what we do, and um, so. It's uh, it, now I think the, the worst thing we do is come away from the plan. I think that's when it looks, that's when it goes a bit a bit ragged or where in terms of when we stick to the plan and and how we want to play. Nine times out of ten, we win football matches. Like you know, I think we've proven that over the last yep. few years. So absolutely, um, yeah. yeah, no panic. Like you know, so very very interesting one up next. So um, were you able to feel uh, best eleven as a player? We have to give us give us your best eleven. Yeah, I had a look at it, uh, and these are the four that came to me head. Um, so I played with. Uh, What's the formation? Uh, I'll go four four two just because. Oh, let's go. That's what. Uh, that's how I get some of them in. Um, I played with uh, Kevin Miller, uh, goalkeeper. I played for. You probably won't know when he is. Um, he played for Southampton. I played with Mexico. All of these, a lot of these would have been lads I played with Exeter City. Um. So, I was so, there for actually. You said six years. It was there for eight years. Or six years of pro. Yeah. Eight years. Two years is it. Um, an apprentice but I played with Kevin Miller unbelievable goalkeeper he, he ended up going back to Southampton I think when he was 38 37 38 and um, a brilliant brilliant uh, person in the dressing room a character right foot left foot he could drop a ball on your chest from from the edge of his box like you know no problem to him yeah. um, 
Then I played with a lad, Scott Hoyley. Uh, Scotty played for Southampton and Portsmouth. Right back, he's extra boy. Went and came back. Um, again, um, uh, full, right full back. Um, unbelievable pass with the ball. Uh, he could dribble. There's a great actually clip of him on uh, YouTube, not Megan Ronaldo. Um, what in, game uh, was that? Exeter City v Man United. Right. Um, oh, was that when they held him to a draw in the yeah, cup? And, yeah, so they drew yeah, in, yeah. Uh, drew in uh, Old Trafford and then beaten 2 nearly. I think. I remember that, yeah. In the real St. James's. Um, played with a young boy, Dean Moxie. Uh, very good. Exeter City went on to play with Crystal Palace. Uh, could have come through the academy like myself. Um, brilliant. I would have him left back. Then I have Owen Heary in. Um, Again, Owen was someone that, uh, a brilliant captain, a brilliant leader, brilliant person, really set standards, actually one of the best captains I've ever uh, I've ever come across in terms of managed the dressing room, really managed the dressing room, like, you know. He was always a hate figure for me, and I yeah. think if you hate someone, it's because they're good. Yeah. It's always one of them. No, I can see that, like, you know, that was Owen, I think everybody hated Owen, and, um, except for the people that played with him, yeah. like, you know, so... Uh, a couple of hay figures in here for you actually I think <laughs> uh, I played a bit uh, the other centre back I have in is a Brazilian boy Santos uh, Gaia um, a left footed centre back he came to Exeter um, and he just settled us down he was just a footballing centre back yeah. like he shouldn't have been there like you know it was one of them you're talking lower leagues England and this boy came and just uh, and just settled when I say settled he came in really fit and then ended up putting on loads of weight and <laughs> it found himself out of the team but he was uh <laughs> When he came, he was a, a top player. Um, and then uh, I have Kwame Ampadu on centre midfield. Kwame, sorry, Kwame is a play for Belvedere schoolboy. He went to Arsenal and would have played for a few clubs around London. I came to Exeter City when he was about 26. Um, or he was probably only getting into the team. And he was incredible for me, like, you know. Yeah. Um, his son Ethan is, I think he captained Leeds last week, a couple of weeks ago, Ethan Ampadu. Um, but, Welsh international, am I right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he should be. He should be an Irish international, but that's another story. Um, Kwame, left footed player, tough, uh, brilliant motivator. He's managing out and he's coaching out in uh, Columbus now in America. He won the cup actually uh, last season. And then I have another lad in, just because this was thrown at me about an hour ago, Carl. Yeah, so <laughs> I have uh, Justin Walker, another lad. He would have played at Forest. Justin played with him uh, again. Another. Brilliant, um, experienced player for me. Uh, he, he was young enough when he came to Exeter, but and, well, I say young, he was probably 26, 27, but I was still only young, would have looked up to him and uh, great influence on my career when I played. James Coppinger, I have Roy Side in midfield, Cops, uh, went to Doncaster, sold him to Doncaster from Exeter, and he went, to, I think he's the most ever. Uh, appearances at Doncaster Rovers. He's a local hero, is he? Yeah. So you, you uh, picked him as the best player you played with. Yeah, like probably number one. Yeah, probably best player I've played with in terms of uh, just so so much ability. Um, he was a dribbler. He could pass, score goals. Um, he he done a bit of everything, and he he had a brilliant career at Doncaster. Like you know, I think he only retired at forty or something. So mm. looked after himself. I think he does a bit of sports psychology now. Uh, well, he does do that because he's helped me with a bit of stuff. Um, I have Lee Sharp in because he came to Exeter for a while. Um, Lee Sharp. Yeah, and he played there for a year. And and uh, was he like I'd as a person? He was great. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, loves a sing song. Um, yeah, loves uh, the fields of Anton Roy. That was a song he would have blasted out. Really? Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. So, uh, um, played a few games. 
played I played there for about a year and then I'd say probably in about ten of them games you could see his real class like, you know. Mm. Did he have um, some tales for you from the Fergie years? No, not really. Uh yeah, just would have wouldn't have uh wasn't one of the kisses. Yeah, yeah, all right. So I wouldn't have asked him really. I wouldn't yeah. have really been bothered. But I have Don Goodman. I was lucky enough to play with Don. Played Don up front. Goodman. Yeah, I'm showing oh, my age yeah. here. I'm not a little bit. So Don again. I'm saying I have a lot of these because uh, how inf- how influential he would have been on my career. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Don would have taken me after training and would have done gym work with me and uh, would have spoke to me and helped me and uh, and again as a centre forward he was tough and he jumped his height like you know really good in the air and. Uh, was brilliant for the young boys, and then uh, fans' favourite. Uh, I have Jay Bourne down, uh, <laughs> but I have Jay because when I played with Jay, I felt like I had a an understanding with Jay. Like you know, yeah. I think he, he had certain movements and and he could finish. Like you know, well, you so can't deny his stats to be honest, or he can't he can't take a penal. But, <laughs> uh, Still an orb, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, that would be it for me. They'd be, no, no, I've left loads. I've played with some brilliant players. You're going to be driving home mm-hmm. now going bollocks. Yeah. No, I've played with some brilliant two players. Two League of Ireland players, is that right? Yeah. Here I, could have, now, I yeah. could have. I had Shelley in there earlier. Yeah. Brian Shelley was uh, well, incredible. Mark Quigley. Like, there's so many. Um, Let's throw this one at you then. Best player you played with and against in the League of Ireland? Best player with in the League of Ireland? Uh, I'd probably say Owen. Just for what he brought, like you know, yeah. I think as a captain, I think that like I played with Joseph and Dow, who was just a magician, like with a ball at his feet, where you're looking going, how is he even doing stuff like this? But um, I'd probably say Owen, just because he turned up every day in training, every match day he was ready, uh, a proper leader, like you know, um, and played against. Who'd you always think, fuck? No one really. Uh, and that's not an, an arrogant thing. I never yeah. would have really went into a game fearing anybody. Mm-hmm. I remember playing up in uh, Derry, actually, and we had an injury, and I ended up right back against James McLean. And his running power was incredible, and I had a toy strain at the time. So I remember making a tackle early and getting booked, and it didn't phase him, so I was in trouble for the rest of the game. <laughs> he ran me for the rest of the game, like you know, so... Um, but look, some brilliant. I played against some brilliant players in the league. Uh, but some br- really brilliant players in the league. Brad's was brilliant. I played against Brad's. He was brilliant. Like you know, in terms of uh, twist and turning, you take the ball. But he always gave me a chance to kick him. You know. So, <laughs> like, uh, what were the midfield battles like in two thousand nine, ten in those Rovers Bowls derbies? Yeah, different. Out? I think different to now. It, it would have been for me. It would have been uh, Royce and Chrissy Turner. Like you know. Yeah. Um, but again, that was always tasty. Always yeah, thinking. so they were tasty, but again, they were they were very uh, combative, combative games. They weren't. I don't think they were very technical games, like no. you know. Um, when I think back, uh, that's the game that it was, and um, but really enjoyable, like you know. So, um, yeah, good games. Right, so um, yeah, we'll talk about so facilities in Rollstone, um, the way things are now, fully kitted out gym. I was in there having a walk around. Um, you've got the grass indoors. It's it's brilliant. I think for for the team to progress, it's 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 been really really positive. Um, is there anything else you could kind of add to the to the facilities? Do you reckon that we could make it make it better? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's always room for improvement. Always room for improvement. Right now, uh, the first thing that that pops into my head is we go outside to use recovery rooms. I think. Uh, 
it's a cost on the club and I think if we could invest in that in the training ground it'd be incredible like you know I think uh, to have that there in our own facility keep it in house you could yeah, say yeah it would, yeah. Be, would be brilliant again you spoke earlier about players hang around after training it's another social aspect of it where they can have that coffee as they're recovering like you know or, or yeah. sit in and have that chat talk about today's session as as they're in an ice bath or uh, in the normal tech boots or, or wherever we have foam rolling or wherever it is um, in our own facility I think right now we have to go outside with that um, so that every year we've tried to improve it in terms of bringing in obviously the gyms the training when I, when I first came it was the AOL complex um, and, and now we have uh, our own facility indoor hall we've our indoor gym and, and we've tried to improve something every year as a as a as a staff to try and bring something new every year yeah. so why can this not be the next thing like you know I think it benefit the whole club massively like you know like even at the Leicester Senior Cup game I was standing there and I was just looking around I was like you've two grass pitches you've got the fully you've got all the equipment up to your right you've got the big road stones like it's it's excellent I think continued improvement to add to facilities I think is, is, a, is a huge thing because I was just looking around going this is magic like, look what we have at our disposal it's, I think it's the brilliant. bigger picture is as well Gary I think what, what you're teaching the young kids is it's that education of how to recover if we could manage to land something like that like you yeah. know I think after training it's it's down to them for their, for their careers understanding how important recovery is like you know because then ultimately it's in them from a young age and they're like that's standard that's normal that's how it comes part of your works. culture then yeah. again you know um, you might need it now as well even more so because of the walking football I heard uh, I heard Ray right, Whedon Senior is a bit of a sharp shooter now. Is that true? <laughs> Tell us I saw Tala, just the Tala Pirlo Pirlo <laughs> I just took part in it this is a brilliant initiative it's gone down really well isn't it Ah, oh, it's been brilliant it's uh, my dad plays up there every Tuesday um, John Cregan plays Razor's there um, and it's brilliant for them it, it's uh, it, when we spoke to them I spoke to them a few times and a lot of the lads wouldn't be doing that on Tuesday afternoons or a lot of them wouldn't have much to do during the week so mm. uh, to get out and They've become really good friends, and they've had it. They had a night out at Christmas, and uh, they uh, they hang around after the games and and have a coffee and have the banter and a bit of crack, yeah. like you know. So it's a it's a brilliant initiative. It's it's great for them. We we played them a couple of times. We played them last week. The staff and uh, they hammered us. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this could lead on to other initiatives as well, because um, I mean, you see all over Dublin, there's men sheds. You could lead into a Rovers men's shed and you could do it a little bit more regularly and you could have these guys who you said might not, their schedule might be too packed and they could turn up and they can have a chat and a cup of tea and, a, and they can get kicked by Glenn. Oh, well, I think really, <laughs> genuinely, I think it's uh, it's important um, because I see how much it means to them. Like, you yeah. know, when you see them even meeting up for that chat and obviously, look, at, it's hard for people, isn't it? Now people are struggling at times and so to have to have that group once a week is fantastic for them, like, you know. Uh, we actually skip one question. I'm interested in this favorite atmospheres. Is there? As obviously the cup final was was epic. Uh, the derbies have a special kind of tension and atmosphere and all that. But is is there one or two games that stand out for you where we needed the fans and we got them and you you noticed that they really helped the team get over the line? Does, does anything jump out? Uh, the one that comes to me mind straight away is uh, the elves in Europe when they when you turned up. Really, I was hoping you bring that up. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that was uh, that was really uh, it was a it was powerful. Like you know, I think it was there and and we were digging in and uh, we knew we 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 the player sent off, haven't we? 
had we? Yeah, Jack, was it? No, Liam Scales, Liam Scales was yeah. sent yeah. off. And Jack missed the penalty. Yeah, we'd Liam Scales yeah. sent off and uh, the players, I think, were starting to feel and they were working so hard and then um, it was just them laughing now because I think, <laughs> I just remember look, thinking, I remember looking to me left and going, can I see a flare over that wall? Like, you know, I thought I could see a green flare and so I, I go out and I'm standing there with Braz and I'm going, is that, is that flare? And then I just seen, and you just hear one voice, and then you hear two voices, and three voices, and then you hear. Do you know what that was? Because everybody was banjo trying to get up the wall. <laughs> so you hear the one voice, and then we're yeah. pulling another one up. Yeah. You yeah. get up, and then it, it, get there. it took us ages to get but, up. But uh, it was really, and I, and the players, you could see it. The players grew. Like, if it was every game so evident how important the fans were, and it wasn't 7,000 fans, it was 30 fans, or wherever it was, and uh, the team seemed to grow from it, and we spoke about it after, and. Uh, it, it was a really brilliant moment, like you know, it was a really brilliant moment. Uh, the 19s moving to the 20s. This is something that I think I've, I've been very vocal about. Is that unfortunately we don't have a tour tier, we don't have a B team, and progress is stunted massively as regards the development of players between maybe the age of 18 and 21 if they're not playing full time football. So I think moving it up to under 20s is a, is a good move. Oh, definitely. You agree? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we we need. We need somewhere for our kids to be playing, like you know. We need somewhere for young people to be playing. I think myself, I didn't make my debut till I was nineteen. Yeah. So, if there wasn't reserve leagues or if if there wasn't somewhere for me to play, what would I have done, like you know? So, um, I think uh, there's so many players dropping out of the game at them ages, and and we need to give them an opportunity to play football. If you look at the amount of we call them silver medalists in the game, that kids that have gone to England and. Uh, you see kids going at 16 it's the ones that stay tend to come through yeah. and, and go on and have careers so um, we need we need to be able to facilitate them like you know and I think 20s is is a brilliant age for them to go and uh, to go and play and I think also with that extra year you don't know what a player can is capable of or they might grow differently they might have a sport and they might just totally totally evolve into a, into a better oh, player definitely I, I think so an extra year yeah. I even think of myself playing. People were telling me I should be playing at 18. When I look back, I wasn't ready to play at 18. Yeah. Where there was players alongside me that were. I wasn't. But I knew at 19, for whatever reason, I, I was ready to play. So I think... Uh, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's loads of, loads of players. Like you said, like I said, silver medals players. that Look at James McLean. Didn't go till late. And yeah. goes on to earn over 100 caps for Ireland. So we need to give these kids time and opportunity like you know so we're coming to an end and we have a little bit of a plug we have the members club mm. quiz night so, so you've played this before by the time you're hearing this show it'll be tomorrow probably yeah so you've played this before um how did you do i guess did you remember your teammates or it's been a while isn't it this, it's been it's been a couple yeah. of years i think 2021 possibly we, we had one during COVID on nine but, so who are the yeah. dark horses and who do you think will be the, the most sought after members of staff and players for the, for the one one staff member or player per table we're up to over 20 tables at the minute well Gary's up there now isn't he Gary's he Gary, really has to be he's going to be Gary's sought after property, now as well yeah. Gary's Champion, top property yeah. Jack could be be up there Jack um, brilled himself in that quiz uh, I have the same team every year um, Alison and Shauna and a couple of others so uh, we give it a good go uh, I noticed teams around us cheating a lot, so we keep yeah, an eye on that this I, year. That'd I be great. Because I'm about. actually not partaking in it, unfortunately. We did mm. want to enter a team, but. Um, no board members allowed, no. Roars of collusion <laughs> rang out, so we're going to be uh, we're gonna be dishing out penalties. There's going to be penalties for anyone caught yeah. their phone or Googling, so. 
Um, we're looking forward oh, to it. It's going to be the 1st of February. Um, t- I put together a formidable team. Gary got me, Arda Stanford, the gent, and Jonesy. The Steven gent Jones. is the one you want in your team. This fella is a he's a high flyer, isn't he? He, he kept us going in he's the 33 for the Glimmer quiz winner. I think we should win just for our name alone. It's uh, the North Stand Lights. <laughs> the North Stand ah, Lights. So we do have prizes for the best name as well. So it's it's going to be the fourth of February, and um, it's just it's it's a it's a members' night to kind of entice people in. Who it's open to all fans. It's open to season ticket holders, non-season ticket holders, everybody. Want to entice fans in and show them the benefits of being a member as well. So, um, well, that that teased me up to ask Glenn this question. Glenn, you are a huge fan of. The Tifties quiz question from the East End. Been a couple of times after games, you just tell me that you're in bits laughing. I think, I think the one was Berkey not knowing who uh, John Lennon was married to or something. I can't remember what he even said for that question. But you just find the quizzes hilarious and the players. And yeah, I think that's brilliant. Answers. I think uh, the best one was uh, Berkey when he said he played in Audio Park. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the best uh, tasty affair. I was trying to think of another one. I was trying to who else would have made me laugh. Uh, Johnny, what did Johnny Kenny say? Johnny Kenny said something special as well. Oh, we'd be uh, here on. There's a few beauties. Yeah, oh, some brilliant stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, God bless them. Thank God they're going to football. That's what we always yeah. say, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, I'm yeah. going to end up with Johnny Kenny or Dylan Watts on my team, am I? Well, it's just it's. I'll see if it's you're karma. Nice now, the day is coming up, so prof. Are you? Do you have a say in this now? What player I get? I don't think I can say that. Just don't on, on air. So just give um, me Gary your chat. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that is it, Glenn. You've been absolutely brilliant. We mo- really appreciate you coming here tonight and giving us your time yeah, again. Fantastic, so, and thanks, man. Um, all the best and uh, good luck with the rest no of the season. Yeah. Right? Thanks very much. We've no more desire for titles. Lord Lambert will not allow. What's on the pitch plays second fiddle to the streets where we call foul. Fanatical, ungrammatical about daily mounts, botanicals. Save the nobly leaves, willow trees, refugees, nice antiquities. No more interest in ballers. Just rare out who more street stallers. Sketch here's the guy that we should all be driving riders. But electric, eclectic, skeletric, round and round. This rare old town drags me down. We'll paint it brown like an old penny from heaven. Good old Dublin 7. Bang, bang. It does the round. But our ground is falling down. But it's kitsch. Scratch that hipster rich. Forget what happens on the pitch. Lambert's made this club his bitch.